Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own, and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time, who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. You are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 107, Revisiting the Right Hand of God. Okay, kid. And congratulations on your victory this evening, Mr. Cody. Your owners are a lot of laughs, Cody. You sure Duke Ludden left Cody to you? It was legally determined that he left some of his estate to St. Mary's Church, including Mr. Cody's contract. After all these years of prayer, all we need now is for you to win your next prize fight. Uh, sister, um, don't count on me too much. I am counting on you. So are all the other sisters at St. Mary's. Cody, you are going to beat Tiger Joe Jackson and become the next California heavyweight champion. And then we'll have enough money to start our chapel. Have faith, Cody. It's all going according to God's plan. Yeah, but it's not going according to Ziggy's plan. He figured this leap would land you in Texas somewhere in the mid-50s. Oh, great. Sacramento, California. Yeah, yeah, 1974. Tell Ziggy that's a long way from Texas in the 50s. Well, Ziggy figures it's just an unscheduled stop. Well, in case you and Ziggy haven't noticed, they're all unscheduled stops. The only thing I'm scheduled to do here is to get my brains knocked out. Uh, go fight. What if that's what I'm supposed to do? What if I'm here to win the championship so Sister Angela can get her chapel? Well, then, uh... <laughs> you're in big trouble, Sam. Mm-hmm. Honey, I'm sorry I didn't get to see the fight. The creep I worked for wouldn't let me off early. A bunch of soldiers came in and he made me dance an extra 45 minutes. The soldiers tipped pretty good today. Looks like we're ready for that rainy day. Serious? We're going to need about $20,000 for that donut shop. You can't go on fighting forever, kid. And I certainly can't go on being a topless go-go dancer for the rest of my life. Ziggy thinks that given all the unknown variables here, that you're winning the championship and getting the chapel for the good sisters is your best shot at quantum leaping. What unknown variable? Did Cody win the fight? He took a dive. Are you sure? Kid Cody is knocked out by Tiger Joe Jackson. One minute, ten seconds, first round. What about Sister Angela's chapel? No, no chapel. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast, everyone. I'm Christopher D. Philippus. I'm Allison Pregler. And I'm Matt Dale. 
And today we are revisiting the season one episode, Right Hand of God. And uh, in addition to that, we've been sitting on this for a long time, but we will finally be bringing you our full interview with Christopher Kirby, the original actor who played Herbert Magic Williams in The Leap Home Part 2 Vietnam. Uh, wow, it seems like months ago now, because it was, Chris met with our very own Hayden McQueenie, and they talked about his time on Quantum Leap, and a whole bunch of other stuff besides that. So stay tuned for that later in the show. Yeah, Hayden went there uh, in person, so that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's unique for us, I think, near enough. Is that a first? I think it was our first in-person interview because Hayden was um, I, Sherlock Holmes. He he said, <laughs> I want to interview Christopher Kirby. And then he realized Christopher was in Australia. And then he realized that Christopher is in the, in the same part of Australia that he is. So Hayden actually went to his place, I believe. They met somewhere. In an undisclosed location. Yeah, undisclosed location. <laughs> <laughs> this just feeds into our foreigner views though that like oh hey you live in australia wait do you know hayden um apparently you can just do that to anyone in australia because they all know each other it's tiny i'll just call them up on the australia phone (laughs) we all know each other it's a party line i can't do an australian accent (laughs) see i didn't try because it was going to be worse than that i do want to say hayden that's not what i think you sound like i have one australian voice okay (laughs) Something about Barbies. Yeah. <laughs> They're prawns! <laughs> so yeah, that's the exact kind of stuff that Chris and Hayden talk about in the interview. And and the funny thing is, Chris isn't even Australian, so go figure. <laughs> yeah, very, very cool. Yeah, it's a good interview. We have the legacy character who is going to be um, also in the new version of Quantum Leap when it premieres. Uh, Magic is going to be a central part of that show. So it's great that we got to touch base with the original Magic before he transformed into Ernie Hudson. He's got to, you know, like maybe he feels pretty good about this casting choice, right? Because if you could like be anyone, like if you could become anyone, it's like, oh yeah, you became Ernie Hudson. That's got to be pretty cool, right? (laughs) I mean, for me personally, that would be a win. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) We all want to be Ernie. It would be bizarre if you played Magic originally and then (laughs) became Ernie Hudson, but. (laughs) Hey, butterfly effect. Yeah, it yeah, explains yeah. everything. Yeah, so yeah, as you can tell, we, we kind of had a good time um, listening to that interview when we first heard it. So I'm sure you guys will as well. So stay tuned for that. Um, wow. Right hand of God. Who wants to do some first impressions? Allison. This is actually like a very cute episode. I don't know if I've had that assessment before. This is an adorable episode. I got a lot of, like, headcanons about this thing, but I feel Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of really, like, cute interactions between people, and there's a lot of really, really great Sam and Al stuff. How about you, Matt? Yeah, cute's a good word for it. I'd not thought of cute before. I like some of the little character pieces. There's lots of nice bits in it. For me, it still feels very much like they're just getting started on the show, and it doesn't mm. doesn't fully gel for me. But um, it, it's one of those ones when it comes up in the rotation. I don't mind watching it. It's quite fun. Uh, not not an all time favorite. All right. Well. I have to agree with you, Allison, you, Matt. A wonderful, sweet episode. So I guess that's another way of saying cute. But you know me, I'm verbose. I have to, when when one word will do, I'll take three. Um, <laughs> but I really think that, like you guys had mentioned, 
sort of the relationships on screen, all of the good Sam and Al stuff, and just the overall, it just, it was such a genuine tone to this episode. I think it, it really exemplified um, all the possibilities inherent within the premise and sort of um, really um, showed the show's strengths almost right away, right out of the gate, because how could you not like this episode? It's dear. It's it's <laughs> it's adorable. You know what the thing is too. Like this is a stock plot I really hate. Normally, I really hate the like down on his luck boxer. The fights <laughs> are fixed kind right. of stories. Like they were so cliche. By the time they did um, Police Squad, they were making fun of that type of episode. Mm-hmm. But Quantum Leap, just once again, it's very good at taking stock plots but putting their own spin on it in a way that I really enjoy. I really cared about what was going on. And see, season one does that, I, I think, in every episode, right? So it fits fine in season one. They move away from the stop plots a bit in later seasons, and um, it, it obviously wouldn't fit down the road. But when you watch it as part of the season, it gets away with it for sure. I think that this was an inevitable stock plot for them to do because if you're thinking about Sam Leapins and you're just in the writer's room saying what's <laughs> what's wacky stuff we can do you know yeah. the second or third thing they landed on was getting punched in the face in a boxing ring yeah. <laughs> how do yeah. we get him punched in the face immediately he is boxing that, that comes up a few times in the, the run as well uh, yeah <laughs> we don't know what to do let's have him punched in the face <laughs> how many times has he leaped in and he's punched in the face it's true though <laughs> But I mean, just like the, that whole ding-ding boxing ring, uh, it screams obvious, but they even made that cliched bit work, as far as I'm concerned, because as we discussed during uh, the Starcross episode, I know this is, you know, pretty standard for you guys, because you've seen all of these episodes as Blu-rays. I don't think I've ever heard any of the narration mm. that prefaced Sam leaping in to the boxing ring. It's usually just the saga cell and then the leap in, and then he gets punched in the face because I've only seen the syndicated version. In this one, he's got his whole little soliloquy about how, you know, he, he got to meet the love of his life, and um, he thinks that, uh, you know, he broke his own rules by mm-hmm. uh, changing stuff maybe in his own life, but he's got a connection with the man upstairs, and he thinks it's going to be fine, and then he leaps in, and he gets punched right in the nose. <laughs> it's just like God saying, oh, yeah? <laughs> Take him down a peg. <laughs> You're used to seeing the normal, the, the, the Deborah Pratt saga cell, right? Not the, yeah. the Scott Bakula with Al as my tonto. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I thought that was very clever and mm. a way, again, to take what should be a story that we've seen a million times and say, oh, I guess we're going to have to watch them retread this. And right out of the gate, it's just like, oh, wait a minute. No, that's clever. And uh, I'm intrigued. <laughs> so, And I think one of the reasons that I think all of us find this episode so adorable and so sweet is that it really is almost quintessential quantum leap in the sense of what quantum leap became known for what everybody associates with it and i think that that's just like people-centered stories that are based on like faith and hope and this one is all about faith and hope and optimism and okay it leans very heavily on the G aspect of GTFW. Yeah, Sam like just talks to him directly at one point. He looks up in the sky (laughs) to talk to God. We get a little shot of the sun shining brightly as if he is speaking directly to God. 
Which I feel like is a little more overt than than he would do later. Definitely in season one, he was doing that more. He did that in the last episode too, where he's like, "Oh, I got connections upstairs." Yeah, <laughs> well, he's had he's, he's had two leaps now where he's got to say goodbye to his dad, and then immediately afterwards, he's got to check out his future wife as a young lady and hopefully repair that. So yeah, I think by this point, he's thinking, "Yeah, me and God, yeah, we got we got something going." <laughs> This is before he gets punched in the face another dozen times just because of a badly timed leap in. <laughs> now we're going to have to keep count oh, as we go on. I, true story. Um, Beyond the Mirror Image almost had a section in it called God is a Dick. Um, <laughs> where I, I just tracked the leap ins where he comes into such a bad situation that if God had leapt him in five seconds before or afterwards, it would have been better. But I did think there'd probably be some people rightly offended by that. So I... I <laughs> And I couldn't think of a better name, so I didn't. I just, I just cut the whole thing. See, now I wish we had one of those podcasts where the title <laughs> of the podcast is a line from the podcast, because this would definitely be episode 106, God is a Dick. <laughs> <laughs> now that we've alienated a good amount of our listeners. Sorry. <laughs> you do, I mean, you do question, like, through this, this show, like, what exactly the big plan is, huh? Like, Sam's like, he's doing nothing but good stuff, and he keeps getting yeah. punched in the face. And humiliated. It, you know that, why? Because it's funny. We're all the ones watching the puppet strings being pulled. Like, <laughs> amuse us. He should have said this at the end of Mirror Image. Like, do um, you mean the leaps are going to get tougher? How many more times am I going to get punched in the face? <laughs> am I going to leap into a fire It can pit always get worse. It can always yeah. get worse. <laughs> if you're Sam Beckett, it can always get worse. God's like, oh, wait a minute. Hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> There's some fanfic writers who are like, mm, yes, I know how it could get harder. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, well, we hadn't we hadn't uh, gotten any cynical edge on Quantum Leap at that point. I think that um, what really this established was that this was a show for everyone. And I think that that was very important going out because you had this whacked out premise and you want this show to be a hit. Traditionally, science fiction is, you know, in the ghetto. It's in the Friday night death slot. And that the network picked this up with the promise of it being a show with broader appeal. I think that this is the kind of episode that cements that aspect of it. Because like you said, Allison, it's a plot we've seen a million times, but there's a reason it's a plot we've seen a million times. It's the kind of story that most people will enjoy. There's not a lot of like wacky stuff here to alienate people who are not science fiction minded. There is, um, you know, enough charm here to even if you're a jaded TV viewer, you could watch this episode like you maybe when you went and saying, oh, my God, not the boxing episode. All right. Let's see what they did. And you come away saying, wow, that was good. <laughs> so it, I think it had a very, you know, a, a very specific job to do. And it did it very well um, in the sense that last episode, we had it go in the other direction where they did more of the let's get plot specific and character specific with Sam's background. Hmm. Right here now, we have the, okay, now this is what a real leap is about. This is the type of thing that's going to be the bread and butter for the show. But don't you think it's risky having so early in the show's run, and I, I know when we talked about Starcross, we talked about risk so early in the show's run. But don't do you think it's risky having something that's so focused on him saving a bunch of nuns? Like, it, for a sci-fi show that sometimes leans into the religious aspect a little bit, I think if I was watching this and it was the third episode I'd seen, 
I'd be thinking, okay, this is going down a path that I'm not going to enjoy because it's going to be constantly all about him saving a bunch of religious people because yay religion. Um, which obviously isn't how it plays out. But. Yeah, but they weren't always a religious slant. This one's a little more overt, but I think this episode was good at showing what a, a non-judgmental person Sam is because mm. it wasn't just about the nuns. There was also Dixie. She was a stripper. Yeah. There's even a line uh, that I thought was very progressive where Sam says that stripping is just a profession like any other thing. Like he never judges her for it. And I think there's a lot of shows that might have done that. Um, so uh, she helps save the day. There's never a point where it's like the nuns are judging the girlfriend for being a stripper or any of that stuff. Like, I thought that was all great stuff. Yeah. And when you said, Matt, you're thinking of it as a science fiction fan. And now here's my science fiction show leaning heavily into um, sort of a, a religion aspect, and that might turn you off. But I think that Quantum Leap wanted to be the exact opposite. I think they said they wanted to say, here's this mainstream show that everybody can enjoy that, that occasionally leans into more science fictional aspects, but you don't have to worry about that. It's not about that. It's about this. Hmm. So you, I think you have to sort of appreciate it for the audience it was going for, and I could not help but be reminded of a certain show that my mom loved. Uh, it was on right around this time, maybe a few years earlier, but um, Mr. Michael Landon playing an angel in Highway to Heaven, mm. helping people put their lives back together. And, you know, that was a continuity in my house of uh, Michael Landon projects because my mom was a huge Little House fan. To this day, Laura and I love to watch Little House. I mean, he was, you know, the heart and soul of that. And then he moved on to do Highway to Heaven with Isaiah Edwards from Little House, who was played by Victor French, I think. So Michael Landon and sort of like that wholesome, um, hopeful type of programming has been a staple for me growing up. And I feel like this is Quantum Leap's version of that. And that's what it was going to capture, that very mainstream, especially at that time, hopeful type of program that wasn't like an Adventure of the Week 80s show, but more of a family drama. Mm. Okay. All right. I can go with that. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know why you would think it was always about him saving religious people. It just happened to have nuns in this episode. It's not like the other episodes prior to this featured I think just just because it's if if this was just completely in isolation at this point, fine. But Genesis and Starcross both had the little religious moments, and then this goes further down that line. It feels like it's this common theme that's going to start getting more intense and more intense, which obviously doesn't. Um, and by the time we're on to next week's episode, that's that's fine. We're we're past that. But yeah, just looking at these three episodes, it it looks like a sign of things to come. Hmm. Well, I, for one, am glad that uh, it's not. <laughs> this is just one type of story they can tell. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, if, if you can come at me with some overtly religious stuff in Piggy Suey, then we can have a real discussion about it. <laughs> well, no, that, and that's that's the point. So by the next week, yeah, Tess, we're onto something entirely different. And, you know, we're starting to realize, okay, all right, we're, we're going to be doing a lot of different stuff and we can step back from the religious aspect a bit as well. I, you know, but I, I think the religious aspect of this really helped highlight another one of the themes, which which has to be faith. Uh, mm. Okay, ov overtly bonk bonk on the head, faith, God, you know, being being faith in God, faith in that. But sidestepping that, I mean, this was about 
Sam and Al having faith in each other as they talk about some of their past. This was about Sister Angela having faith in Sam or in Kid Cody, as far as she's concerned, and um, using that to bolster not just her faith in God, but just like her faith in general, her faith in herself, her faith in the world. And mm -hmm. Sam even says towards the end, he says something like, without your faith in me, then, then I'm done. Hmm. No, he says... <laughs> He says, "What he say?" And he looks so embarrassed when he says this. I don't have a prayer of winning. Then I don't have a prayer of winning. <laughs> okay. He says a pun, and he looks so embarrassed to be saying it. I love that. <laughs> I was so caught up in sort of like the overarching themes and what they were talking about that yeah, that's that's kind of a shit line. I'm sorry, Scott. That yes. <laughs> He has the appropriate, like, Sam knows he's making a bad joke. I think that's how he's playing it, but obviously it's it's meant to be a pun. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, if you want to get into some of the clunkier aspects, I mean, think about poor sister Angela as a character and Michelle Joyner having to play. She had the clunkiest stuff going on. I mean, I was a princess in a castle. When I was a child, I, um, I lived in a castle. What? Well, a pretend castle. It was actually... Oh. A treehouse in the backyard. My mother and my brother used to call me a princess. I really felt like one. Oh, man, I love that bit, though. Yeah. I thought she did a great job in that scene. And that's, that's what Michelle Joyner made all of it work. She was so genuine that stuff like I don't have a prayer, it's just like a little bit cringeworthy at times. You, you never feel that in the moment, in the episode. Anyway, I didn't. I think that she did such a wonderful job and she had the most thankless stuff to do and everybody else had really good stuff to work with. So it's just Michelle Joyner was, was she should have been the weak link in the, in the sense of character. And she was one of the best parts of the episode because she was just so genuine on screen. You bought every single aspect of the performance as far as I'm concerned. I also want to remind everybody that um, Michelle Joyner was a uh, one-time guest here on the podcast. I listened to her interview that she did with Albie the first time we did Right Hand of God, way the hell back, got to be eight years ago now. And she was wonderful on that interview as well. She talked about playing Sister Angela and some of the aspects of the show that she enjoyed. And uh, if you want to hear that, just go to our website at quantumleappodcast.com. That's probably easier than scrolling all the way back on the feed <laughs> to the first episode, but you're welcome to do that too. It was a great interview. She was so cool, so genuine. I'm glad that we had her. I'm glad that I was able to listen to it because it gave sort of a another aspect and another dynamic to the performance um, when I was thinking back on it, making my, my notes for the show, how she approached the character. And she saw that sweetness and that genuine quality that she just wanted to instill. And... uh Albie even asked her, and maybe you guys, maybe we get into this. It seemed to me, I mean, I love the, all the stuff with Dixie, but it seemed to me there was a real chemistry between Scott and Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, there definitely, there definitely was hints at that. There was right? hints at like, perhaps in another life, it could have been this. Um, this could have gone in a bad direction too, because clearly there are, there is a slight kind of rivalry going on uh, between Sister Angela and Dixie. You can see like when uh, Sam gets knocked out when he's practicing and then there's that shot <laughs> looking up at them from below and they kind of like give each other this look because they're both coming in to check on him at the same time. It could have gone in a bad like catfight kind of direction, but it never really does. It's just sort of this like, why is my boyfriend spending all this time with this nun? And maybe Angela does have some sort of feelings for him, but never really acts on it. It's just kind of an interesting layer. Can we talk about the draft script here briefly? 
Um, Are you talk about the and, song? <laughs> uh, oh, yes, but not yet. <laughs> oh, okay. No, so just because, um, yeah, you mentioned that at the end, Sam says, and I can't remember how much of this made it to the finished episode, but Sam says, Angela, if, if you weren't who you are and I wasn't who I am, if oh. things were different... And then in the script, <laughs> Angela says, and the description is low and sexy, then things would be different, I know. Low and sexy. That's Angela's last line of the uh, of the episode. Oh, I'm so glad they didn't go with that. Speaking low and sexy. There's, there's, a, few, there's <laughs> no. a few little hints, uh, particularly in the stage directions, of yeah, where the writer wanted her to go, and they obviously dialed that back a lot for the episode. It's much more subtle and all the better for it. Yeah, definitely all now, the better for it. <laughs> you mentioned the song, Alison. Did you mean Dixie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid horny season one. <laughs> well, okay, now we need some context. Oh, Alison, did you you got there first. Do you want to explain this one? Or? Please. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when uh, when Sam's in the church was singing Amazing Grace originally, it was I uh, Wish I Was in Dixie. <laughs> <laughs> Which would have given the scene a much different tone. <laughs> Utter filth. Both are on um, uh, Public Domain's Greatest Hits album, though, so you could use either. <laughs> yeah, it, that, that's definitely going into season one horny Sam. That's a note yeah. that I wrote, season one horny Sam. Because when she starts undressing in front of him, he gives this look kind of like, oh, sure, thanks, God, <laughs> for the naked lady. It's like, Sam wouldn't be doing this later. Absolutely not. Well, no, okay, I have two two directions I need to go in with this. I mean, to, maybe to just put a bow on the Angela thing, that I, I felt like Angela wouldn't have left the church for Kid Cody, but she would no. have left the church for Sam. Yes. Yeah. The chemistry there was all Sam. Um, but also, you don't want her to do that because, uh, again, in that wholesome wheelhouse that they're, that they're playing in here, Sam is literally so good that he can give a nun back her faith. So it's like, <laughs> you don't want to undercut that with them knocking boots. But uh, <laughs> let's, let's go back to the Dixie thing and horny Sam. Sam definitely got laid in this episode, did he not? For sure, they had to. They had to have after that. No, after that that scene when they dissolve out and Sam. And first of all, comedy killing dissolve right there. They're just holding on him forever, making faces. But yeah, after that, they definitely slept together for sure on the pullout bed. <laughs> it was a Murphy bed, not a pullout bed. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I think I didn't notice until this time around in Sam's narration. He mentioned they live above the bar. I don't think I noticed that they're apartment was above the bar yeah was it the same bar or was it just a bar i don't know i guess it was the same bar i don't know it seems weird to have a bar in the episode and not have it be that bar well dixie danced at a bar maybe it was dixie's bar where she did maybe the she danced stuff. at that bar she just wasn't dancing the scenes that we saw it didn't seem like a topless place to me it seemed like a like a dive <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i i think that uh i i didn't realize that before today either when i watched it but then um you have uh the jackson five you can hear them pretty clearly as they're having that that scene where they're talking about uh, i guess placing the bet and doing the streaking and, and all that so why would sam go and stay at the parish if he has another free place to stay with dixie to save money somehow <laughs> yeah this it never made sense it's it's not even something that makes sense in the script, and then it got lost accidentally. It, that's just never made sense. It would have, 
if they just weren't living together, if he wasn't living with his girlfriend and maybe he was like in a, a transition period, like they were going to move in together, but he's like, I, I'm going to move in with these nuns. And he's like, well, why? It seems weird for him to like move out of his place that that would cost more money <laughs> than if he just stayed yeah. where he was. <laughs> well, then the, see, um, the logic behind it for me up until again, this rewatch was that, well, maybe they don't want to have the subtext that Sam is sleeping with somebody throughout this episode while he's training. So therefore we remove that element of it to make it a little bit more family friendly, a little bit more palatable. But obviously there is an implication that he's already gone down that road before he even moves out. So yeah, maybe if the nuns were more overtly like, we don't want you living in sin or something. If we own you, I don't know, some sort of line about it, but I don't know. It's confusing. Well, I know really why they did it. They did it so that they could go to the cheesiest of all sports tropes, the training <laughs> montage. The training montage. The knockoff the Rocky montage. <laughs> With sped up Al jumping up and down. The most ridiculous line in this episode is when Scott Bakula says, I'm out of shape, excuse me? <laughs> the very first scene when we see him, he's shirtless, looking as good a shape as he's ever been in. And then they're trying to make us think that, like, Sam is some sort of, like, schlub who doesn't know how to do physical fighting. Like, ridiculous. Yeah. I feel obese. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, like, there's no difference between Sam out of shape montage and Sam's getting in shape montage. <laughs> like, it's just, like, he just makes goofier faces than the one where he's supposedly out of shape. I'm trying to see that from Sam's point of view. Because you got to figure, you know, Sam, he's an athletic dude. He does his karate or taekwondo, whatever martial art that he's proficient in when he does his flying noodle kicks. Yeah. And well, they hadn't established that yet, that he knew martial I, I, arts or saying, anything. It's so yeah, weird. As a whole, for a fan, you think that Sam is mm -hmm. a guy that's used to having some kind of training regimen in his life so that he can keep that yeah. part of his. And, now mm -hmm. he's been leaping. He doesn't even know how long. He's untethered from himself and he doesn't have his routine anymore. So in his mind, maybe he does feel like I'm out of shape. I haven't, you know, I haven't had my routine where I know, you know, my, my lift Sam body and how I know how to keep it up. That doesn't exist for me anymore. So maybe he does feel it. See, maybe he feels like I'm in no condition mm -hmm. to do this. I'm maybe if we were back home and I was on my regular routine, then yeah, I'd have a fighting chance. No pun intended. But as of now, it's, it's been too long since he had a straight leap. Exactly. That's why he can't. <laughs> I've been leaping around eating macaroni and, you know, drinking beers and, and whatever that thing was at the bar with all the, uh, TKO, kid. <laughs> all the smoke coming out oh, of it. You know, the professor and Starcrossed ain't got a good diet. You know, <laughs> exactly. he ain't been eating well there. Yeah, the professor le leaps back in after Starcrossed and finds that Sam has just completely renovated his fridge. It's like, what, what are these carrot sticks? What, where's my beer? Can I say this? I have a I have a headcanon about Sam, about Sam's uh, habits before leaping, right? So in and Scott Bakula even kind of says in an interview at one point, he said that like Sam's just working all the time. He doesn't like leave his work except for like meals. I think he's just like eating takeout and shit. Like he's just eating whatever because like this is not important to him. What's important to him is getting his work done. Maybe Donna or someone else in his life was looking out for him, like making him eat healthy stuff, but I don't think so. But then how is he so in shape? He's martial arts. 
like kind of goes hand in hand. <laughs> he's eating takeout and then he's doing taekwondo and that's how he gets in shape. Balances it out. <laughs> that's what I need to do. So then he should be perfectly home here because the only thing we've seen him eat so far, I think, for the whole series is a cheeseburger. He's he's eating donuts, <laughs> right? Like they're trying to open a donut shop. They have to be practicing making donuts in the apartment above the bar, right? I hope so. I may be sure. <laughs> Dixie's feeding him donut holes or whatever. <laughs> That's a way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know that she's feeding him donut holes after <laughs> she took her top off. Chris, you should have written this script, clearly. <laughs> Your mind is in the same place as... Uh, who wrote this? I don't know, some guy. Uh, John, Hill. John Hill. John Hill. I wanted to say Joe Hill, but that's Stephen King's son. <laughs> John Hill. Has John Hill ever contributed another story to Quantum? Yeah, he did a couple of... Well, he's, he was one of the producers for the first season oh, and okay. a bit. And I want to say he did. Hang on, hang on. He gets co-credits on Portrait for Troyan. Okay, so it was still a season one thing, though, because that yeah. was part of their first season roster. But it definitely feels like this isn't an early thing. This is a trying to fit Quantum Leap into a story we know rather than trying to fit a story we know around Quantum yeah, that's Leap true. because they, they don't know yeah, yet. And that's, that's why it's very much a stock story. So you would just get like maybe a writer for hire because it's it's really the script almost writes itself, to be honest. Another John Hill special, because I've got it in front of me here, and I, I really want to share this one. Angela and Sam are both talking to each other at the start of the episode, and Al is there doing his Al thing, just kind of looking around. And Angela says, um, we need $20,000. Your next fight's got a $20,000 purse. Do you think that's just coincidence? Al jumps in with no explanation, saying, do you think nuns wear underwear? <laughs> Sam, says to, Sam says to both of them, probably... Angela says, and I say the answer's no, and Al says, good. It's a weird fantasy, but I've had worse. <laughs> Stares off into space. What in the world? <laughs> I would pay cash money to see that scene. <laughs> I know, no, right? That's stupid. It is stupid. That's why, that's why it's priceless. Oh, my God. It's kind of funny when he starts telling his horny story, and then Sam's like, you're in a church. <laughs> Stop telling your horny stories in church. With Sam fighting, the closest you'll get is a wind-breaking ceremony. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll get some terrible stuff in this in the script version. He calls Sam baby booby sweetheart at one point. But... <laughs> Why didn't they keep that? Baby booby sweetheart? Come on. You know when that would have been great. When we all go to uh, the great beyond, wherever Sam is, uh, and uh, we're all back together and they're making full color episodes of Quantum Leap, um, there are going to be versions <laughs> of every script um, fully produced, <laughs> and we'll be able to watch all of these scenes at one point all together. Not Dean saying, Sam, baby, booby, sweetheart. We're doing all this on the fly anyway, we'll be right? We'll sitting right next to Dean as he smokes his cigar. <laughs> there is a place. We got to talk about Al in this episode. I want to talk about Al. All right. Well, I mean, lots of lore with Al here. I mean, there are a couple of things that are, so let, I'll let you lead that. What about Al would you like to discuss, Alice? What don't I want to talk about with Al? There's so much good stuff in this episode. Um, so, okay, after re-listening to the podcast, I'm like, man, I bring this up a lot, but it's my favorite <laughs> headcanon, okay? Al is totally making up this story about his neighbor. The, I don't buy that this is a real story. The fact he's like, he's talking about, okay, he has this loud neighbor keeping him up at night and he's so sleepy and he's like so sleepy that he's falling asleep on the imaging chamber floor twice in this episode. <laughs> I got this nut for a neighbor who sleeps all day and then at night he's rebuilding the engine on his car from 2 a.m. All I hear is, boom. 
Okay. Vroom. That's fine. Vroom. Vroom. Al. Vroom. Which is weird because this is one of those early season one things where they're like, Al needs a subplot, I guess. He has some story he's telling about what's going on in his life. But how did that happen? Did he just walk into the imaging chamber and then lie down without <laughs> yeah, Sam how? noticing? How does that how happen? Did he get there? <laughs> Um, it, it, that also is adorable. Well, but you know what? He was fully asleep. He went in. Sam was already asleep. So he said, hey, you know what? They got me centered on Sam. I guess yeah. he'll wake up at some He's point like, hey, and guys, I can catch up keep, on my Zs. Keep me centered on Sam. Spend all this money, but I'm going to go to sleep now. <laughs> Sleepy time for me. So I can, I can um, buy that. Yeah, so, but I want to say the way that Dean Stockwell plays this episode is such a choice. It feels so specific. I can't help but feel like there is some story there we don't know. He is so sad for some reason. And and I feel like in my head, Al is dealing with some shit. Maybe he's just not coping well with what's going on at the project. Maybe he's missing Sam um, because mm. he's still getting used to Sam leaping. There's something going on in his life that he is telling Sam some funny story to cover for. Like the scene where uh, he's trying to teach Sam how to box and Sam's like, oh, well, you can't do that. You're just a hologram. And he walks out and turns the lights out. And for some reason, they hang on Al yeah. for a long period of time, just sitting in the dark, talking to himself sadly. Where are you going? To get a real trainer. What do you mean, a real trainer? Hey, who taught you everything you know? It was good, too. I loved that bit. Yeah, it's a brilliant moment. It's great because it's never explained. It just, mm. it speaks of some other thing going on. The same as when uh, Sam's like, hey, Al, why don't you just record the noises and then play it back for him at night? Or, you know, when he's trying to sleep and then, like, he'll he'll cut it out. And then Dean Stockwell just says it like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> just extremely sad and quiet about it. As if, like, he's giving him a solution for something he just made up. Like, I just love that. I have my own headcanon for where Al is at in this place. And I think it's, it's, it's more of a, of a whole project thing, though. Not as personal as, as you're reading it, Allison. But here's, here's where I am with this whole, oh, my neighbor this, my neighbor that. And I, I think that Al is a reliable narrator here. I think he's telling the truth. I think this is happening to him. What I think we're witnessing here, think about before Sam leapt. Project Quantum Leap was basically just a job, right? You could have a, another place. You would leave the project eventually because you're just doing research and implementation and building it out. So Al could theoretically have a place close by with a neighbor that's a douche. <laughs> now Sam has leapt. Now they never know where he's going to be, when he's going to come back into the waiting room, and who they're going to have to deal with um, until he does get home, because they're still holding out hope that he'll leap home on his next sleep. And I think we're seeing a shift from the project at this point of it being a day job to it turning into like a duty posting. Because now you can't mm. leave because you're on Sam's schedule. Mm. And I, I think that. After, you know, all of this stuff with the neighbors, you don't really hear about it much anymore because it makes absolutely no sense that Al would be away from the project even for, even for a night's sleep because they never know when they're going to need him. So that's the way I headcount in this. Like, I feel like this is sort of the last grasp of them having normal lives. Mm -hmm. 
before the project becomes their all, before they're just like now living under a mountain, hoping that Sam comes home. Yeah, there's there's definitely some kind of adjustment going on, uh, regardless of if you think the story is true or not. Like, Al is not getting enough sleep. He's trying to, like, figure out how to do the life and the project at the same time. Um, he's also really missing Sam. Like, he's missing his dependence on him. He, like, he's wanting, like, some sort of connection there. Like, he's trying to teach Sam how to box, and Sam's, like, laughing, like, oh, you're a hologram. And, and Al keeps trying to make this connection there. Like, when he's, um... He's in his the white suit and he's trying to like a uh, box with him like Get your left up and pop 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 Get on the balls of your feet That's it You can't, can't punch anybody flat foot That's what Gomez keeps telling me <laughs> And uh at the moment that Sam mentions Gomez Al stops and he's sad like oh no oh yeah that guy <laughs> <laughs> Like so yeah there's definitely like some something going on there as well like Al is is definitely missing Sam that's not something I'd put a lot of thought to, but I like all of this. This is this is all good. Sam is also depending on Al. He asks him if he's going to make it to the fight. And this would not be a question later. Like, Al is just always there for all of the events in the episodes. But the fact that Al still kind of has another life going on, like, Sam is really wanting Al to be there for him. Mm-hmm. And it's th- this question, mm-hmm. if he's and he's so happy. When he sees Al at this fight, like, yeah, my friend's here. And Al is happy and they're like celebrating <laughs> together. They they have a shot after he wins where he's trying to hug Al. You see him hug the air. Oh, is that what that is? <laughs> is that the like someone else's point of view of him hugging Al? I just thought he was just so happy he was hugging himself. I think that's what's going on. It looks like he's trying to hug Al. Oh, I like that better. Yeah, I, I need to go back and watch that again. I think I know the shot you mean, but I never interpreted that way. Ooh. It's so good. Like, he's like, he's my buddy is here for me. Well, I, I think that you're picking up on some melancholy. I think both of them have some melancholy in this episode. And again, it's the scene that, that you think is embarrassing where he says, without your faith, I don't have a prayer or whatever. Um, I feel like a big part of this was Sam realizing that he needs to have faith, but not only, you know, faith that he can do, but have people who believe in him around him. And um, who else is that going to be but Al? And then Mm -hmm. we have a lot of chatter between the two of them about the sister Angela reminds me of us. Who does she remind you of? Ingrid Bergman. No. You. You and me both back in the old days when we were trying to raise funding for the imaging chamber. We were pouring over the blueprints and... That was our dream, you know? Our chapel. Remember? Nah, you don't... You don't remember. That was our chapel? Yeah, that was our chapel. The Slash Riders were just gifted (laughs) so much. That was our (laughs) chapel. That was our castle. But it shows you, once again, an effortless way in which they establish that Sam and Al are friends from so far back that it's just a passing mention. It's not like, you know, remember when we had to get the imaging chamber built and we stayed up late at night and we didn't know and we were... No, it's just just sort of, oh yeah, that, you know, and then they move on. And it's so effortless. It's, It's just so organic. It's it's just great to get those little tidbits. And I also love how <laughs> Al says to Sam, Hey, who taught you everything you know? I had more headcanon there. And I think this goes back maybe to Ashley's novel, Prelude, even though that's not canon. I've gotten from that book, which I guess we'll be doing next, the fact that 
Sam was lost without Al's like acumen and savvy when it came to like navigating the political waters in DC. So it was, yeah, Al yeah. was a big part of getting the project off the ground. So when he says that to Sam in this episode, I'm thinking, yeah, I taught you everything you know, meaning, you know, everything that you needed to know to get the project funded and to see your dream become a reality because like you said Allison he, other than that he was just at work eating takeout and doing taekwondo he had no, no time for anything else <laughs> yeah well I think uh, <laughs> takeout and taekwondo <laughs> was in science uh, I think also Al taught him a lot about life I think like Al is like a very like living life living with people living you know a lot of experience uh, that Sam just didn't have. Well, I mean, and I guess this could be the inauguration of Al Knows Everything, right? Being the Golden Gloves regional oh, yeah. champ. The Golden Gloves <laughs> champion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was 16 when that happened, wasn't uh, yeah, it? Yeah, that's what it said. 16. Yeah. yeah. A lot of things yeah. going on when he was 16. But so many like different little layers in this episode. <laughs> just so much subtext that you can dive into. They really did a great job of um, just building these interrelationships. And it was great. It was great. It's not something you'd expect to see in like an episode two. Sure. They already like were building on things with these characters that you see throughout the show. Maybe they were still figuring out what they were doing, but uh, you can absolutely see it like build through the seasons. Like all of these little tidbits all make sense together to, to paint a bigger picture. Another thing you guys were talking about, like, like you were saying, the show is still finding its footing here. And I think that we have a very sort of nebulous idea of Exactly how long is Sam on this leap? I mean, we have enough time going by for him potentially to get from out of shape to, you know, literally into fighting <laughs> shape. Yeah, that's what GTF dubs was doing. <laughs> Was giving him time to get in but, shape. I mean, so how was this? Was this a, a two week process? Was it a, a month long process? Did they even did they ever say how long it was until the fight? Because I don't know, but I, I've I've trained before, not like for a fight, but I've you know, just worked out in the gym. It takes a long time to go from out of shape to the shape that Scott was in at the end of this episode. Well, we know how long it took. It took a montage. <laughs> oh, thank. You. Yeah, that clears it all up. Okay, podcast done. <laughs> Matt, tell us what's next. <laughs> well, <laughs> I took it as being five days, and I don't. I, so he, he leaps in on the twenty fourth, and I thought he leaped out on the twenty ninth, but I cannot tell you now why I thought the twenty ninth. Oh, yo, you know why? You know why? When was the thrill in Manila? Because Sam leaped on the day that they won that fight. So ah. when was the fight between Ali and uh, George Foreman? That must be what Matt was using. Yeah, so um, the fight was on the 30th in Zaire, which, due to the time difference, would have been October 29th in the US. And Sam leapt in on 1024, October 24th. The spooky times. It took him, <laughs> it took him five, so yeah, six days. Oh, five days because he had F to, five, you know, five he, days. he had yeah. to move into the uh, the parish and uh, sow his oats with Dixie first. Five days and a montage, <laughs> and he is good to go. Um, yeah, because because Sam just didn't remember he was in shape. Because you look at Scott Bakula, and he looks like, especially when he's in the boxing ring, you can just see like every muscle, like even more so than I think some other seasons. Like he was never out of shape, but I think like he was in extraordinarily good shape. For sure. He looked great in this episode. I'm just going to say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Scott Bakula looked amazing, even in like the checkered pants. <laughs> I was waiting for you to hate on he those. Had, like, <laughs> the checkered pants were so dorky, um, but he had like the black turtleneck looked really great. 
he just in the the brown jacket sam in a brown jacket seems to be like his look from those like promo pictures of scott bacula just like in a brown it's like i guess that's how sam dressed <laughs> mirror image right there white shirt brown jacket yeah this is another section of uh, Beyond the Mirror Image that, that almost but never happened, which was going to be called Great Scott. And it was all the time that... Every time that Scott looked great, <laughs> ideally, when he looks great, <laughs> then topless. You realize, <laughs> then you realise you would just have to list every episode. <laughs> exactly. There's, there's always a moment. Can I just say, I just heard, like, white shirt and a brown jacket. It's like a long skirt <laughs> and a, or a short skirt and long jacket. <laughs> White shirt and a lot of brown well, Scott jacket. did play, uh, uh, what was what was that show? Um, he played his dad, right? Wasn't that the theme to Chuck? Well, that wasn't the theme. I feel like... No, the theme to Chuck wasn't... Was, long, it, was it short skirt, long jacket? I thought it was like a musical version of that. No idea what you guys are on about. Just just for the record. The, the now song, look it up. The show, the show Chuck. Chuck theme song. Was it? Short skirt, long jacket. I'm gonna. I'm looking it up. Stop ad. <laughs> I've never seen Chuck. By the way, it is. It is right. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it all comes together. And Scott was a guest in that show. So there you go. Burger Theory. <laughs> yeah, he was a very important character in Chuck. It, it all comes, comes together. together. Right. Oh, while I'm talking about fashion, <laughs> Al's outfits in this episode. <laughs> He has a giant puffy bronze jacket we never see again. Like it is huge. Oh, He's using it to to I pillow himself as he sleeps. <laughs> it's so big and puffy. And he's wearing them with the golden shoes. I think this is the premiere of his golden shoes. And he's got leopard print suspenders underneath them. This whole look is primo. <laughs> Just very good. And he looks great. He it, it, the next scene we see him, he's in his all white suit. That looks great. Uh, and then at the fight, he's got his red fedora and suspender look. Fantastic. Just tens all around. It's another thing that this uh, this episode helped establish that would become a hallmark of Quantum Leap. What about the fact that we get the first appearance? I believe it's the first appearance of the hand link. Um, Matt, you have to tell me, this looked a little bit more intricate than the calculator hand link, and it only came in for like one scene. Is this the same as the calculator hand link? Um, I think it is. I know um, Double Identity is coming up later in the season and has a slight variation because it was filmed before this. But then I, th I don't know. I think this is a normal one. All right. Because it did look, I, I have such vague recollection of what the calculator hand link looks like. And the one that he was holding in this one looked a lot more intricate than that, that mind's eye. Uh, impression that I have of it. So I look forward to sort of tracking that for the first time for me, anyway, the visual continuity of all this stuff. Okay. So, yes, I think it is. Um, and it, so yeah, this, this version is in. Oh, it's like a clear version. It's in a handful of episodes up to mid season two. There's one that's in Double Identity and Color of Truth, which is is very similar, but it's got less LEDs. And then this is the third version, effectively, because Double Identity and Color of Truth were made first. Then there's this version, which lasts until mid-season two, and then they tweak it a bit um, from So Help Me God onwards. 
I don't I don't remember um, the clear version of the calculator handling because it was more solid later once they established that before the gummy bear. But what I loved about this is, and I don't know if um, maybe because they were filling these out of order or um, airing them out of order anyway. Um, I know that Double Identity was supposed to be the second episode and we might get a little bit of, it's, it's almost like when you're watching Star Trek, the original series where they actually start with episode six in the production order and then three episodes later show you episode one, everything looks completely different because it's essentially a second pilot as opposed to what they had established and I never really noticed that in Quantum Leap but what I loved about this is Al just takes out the hand link he looks Mm -hmm. at it he refers to it they never say oh look there's the hand link it's just again an organic part of Quantum Leap it's Sam knows what it is Mm -hmm. Al knows what it is and it's never mentioned you know it's not until later on in the show where the hand link becomes such a prop and they're but he, he did use it quite a bit in Genesis though um, he it's, did. It's a yeah. different. It's a different model, but it looks similar enough that I think that that kind of introducing the concept of oh, he's got a little handheld computer. They've been there already a couple of weeks back. Mm, you know what? And I guess maybe I'm focusing on it more because of its conspicuous absence in Starcross. Starcrossed. Yeah. 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 It was definitely less of a of a crutch than they use later. Like, um, I do want to tell this story. It's a short story, but I was talking to one of my friends who's, uh, he's seen Quantum Leap, but he's not like a big super fan. Um, <laughs> he was saying, he was saying he watched the interview that we did with Deborah Pratt. By the way, everyone watch that interview we did, we did with Deborah Pratt on the YouTube channel, uh, at Quantum Leap Podcast. Um, <laughs> he was watching that and he's like, oh yeah, I saw when you took out the, um, the, the tricorders or whatever to show her. <laughs> like the tricorders and he didn't even realize it was from star trek either because he's not a big star trek fan he's like what's that from again oh okay it's like yes the quantum leap tricorders that we showed to deborah i don't know i don't watch star wars (laughs) (laughs) so funny doc brown was so brilliant that he came up with those (laughs) yeah (laughs) and we're back to great scott again I was looking at those pictures you put in the chat of the different hand links, and I just love the zoom. I don't know what episode this is from, but the way that Dean Stockwell's hands are holding it like a little raccoon or something, that's very good. (laughs) Yeah, that's... Oh, no, that's from Double Identity when he's trying to tear it in half, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the Double Identity slash Color of Truth version. Right. I see the little pattern from his Hawaiian shirt in that episode. Yeah. Oh my god, you're a sleuth, Allison, a super sleuth. It had to do with I just, it had I just to do remember with it was a really weird <laughs> it was a really weird bit of stage business too that he's like trying to tear it in half. Like <laughs> why is he doing that? It's plastic. <laughs> I get so angry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, uh, while we're uh, while we're talking about uh, Dean Stockwell, uh, his brother was in this episode. Yeah. Guy Stockwell. Can can I my most embarrassing revelation today? As I was putting together this rundown, I always thought that Guy Stockwell was Gomez. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. All right. Well, no. What exactly? <laughs> um. <laughs> no. Now I know. Guy Stockwell played Jake Edwards, the heavy. Yeah, you can kind of see it in like his nose and his eyebrows, the similarity between the two of them. Yeah, he was a he was a character actor. He's in a lot of stuff. He was in uh, Tales of the Gold Monkey at one point as well, so he'd worked with Donald Belisario before. Yeah. Um it was good to see um a heavy on Quantum Leap that was not as cartoonish as heavies tend to be on Quantum Leap. <laughs> 
he wasn't cartoonish. No, no, I, no, no, listen I to the sentence. I go rum dum. Listen to the listen to the <laughs> sentence to, I to said. Chris, that's just not, normal speech. Not buttons. not as cartoonish. <laughs> Are you sure? Are you sure? I did like when he like Sam's like you're not gonna kill me. Are you? And it's like oh, what, what what do you take me for? I'm not gonna kill you. I'm just gonna shoot your kneecaps out. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great line no you know who was a cartoon on this freaking episode i don't know who who the second ring guy was that was with gomez but his only line literally was something out of looney tunes you kidding them nuns as poor as choice mice that was a cartoon <laughs> oh yeah that was like a character named whitey or something wasn't it oh <laughs> uh, now that was some, uh, yeah i don't know <laughs> that was ridiculous <laughs> Yeah. I did like um this was a really funny bit where like Dixie is taking out the money to pay Roscoe. <laughs> um and then like she's like, if you get in the way of our if you get in the way of our, our dream with the donuts, I'll break your nose. And then slams the door on her like Oh! Damn it! Oh, you broke my nose! Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Hilarious. That was funny. I know yeah. that we uh we've mentioned Terry um in passing, but Terry was terrific. In this, she had. Oh, she was great. Uh, she, did yeah. she do an interview with us too? I feel like she did. She did. She did. Yeah. And I mean, she just had such a quality. She should have been Marilyn in Goodbye Norma Jean. Some of the <laughs> the faces she pulled in this, she was so reminiscent of Marilyn Monroe. Yes. But she was a sex bomb, and she was there to be a sex bomb. But she was superb. She was so good. Mm. Uh, like her acting was terrific. I really enjoyed her in this. Yeah, she was um she was just like so sweet about it and uh she talked about this in her interview uh the fact that the the very end when Sam says like I'll hurry back and she just that, that adorable face like oh, okay like that was all just improvised like just last second Scott Bakula said that to her and it was it was a great moment so she just had that sort of quality about her anyway and they they also shared a chemistry. I think that the chemistry was, of course, a little bit more overt because she was there um, as his girlfriend, and she was obviously like head over heels for Kid Cody. So um, that transferred to Sam in in a positive way for him, anyway. But at no time did you see Sam being like prudish and visibly uncomfortable at being in her presence. And as you said, Allison, because Sam is Sam, and he's so fundamentally good. There's no judgment there, and he doesn't just not say anything, but he actually builds her up, and he makes her feel good about herself. Dixie, you're not a tramp. You're a stripper. That's a profession. There is no shame in any of this. He just accepts her for who she is and tells her she should be proud of who she is. I think it's just, it's wonderful. I do feel, feel like it was significant, him saying stripping is a profession. And in an episode that heavily focuses on uh, religion and features nuns, uh, but this episode is never judgmental about that. It includes both of these elements. And uh, and yeah, I, I don't think a lot of shows around this time would have quite that same stance. I'm trying to think of similar characters that we've seen in Quantum Leap. What really readily um, comes to mind is Southern Comforts, because that took place in a brothel. But I, I feel like Quantum does not have any kind of judgment when it comes to this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I do feel like Sam would have acted more uncomfortable around her getting naked around him and stuff like that later. That was definitely a, a product of season one. Also, um, after the first fight, 
when they're like, yeah, hit the showers, kid. And he just starts stripping down in front of them just so the nuns will come in and like <laughs> he'll be embarrassed. He wouldn't do that. He wouldn't just start stripping down in front of those guys in a later episode. Uh, I think, and you know what? Listen, he goes to the Taekwondo gym. He's got a he's got a change, and he's used to being in a locker. <laughs> he's he's got his own little room set up for that at home because he's eating takeout and working out at the same time. <laughs> what I love is that you took away from it that it's odd that Sam gets undressed in a locker room. My takeaway from this is none. He's like right next to those guys two seconds after they tell him. It doesn't make it. Guys in a locker room get undressed. It's what you do in a locker room. Nuns yeah. walk into a locker room and they're scandalized <laughs> at seeing a guy with no pants on. That was the weird thing. To me, it's like, why are you just walking yeah. into a locker room, sister? Yes. <laughs> I guess, I mean, I guess Sam like strips down in front of in front of Al sometimes, doesn't seem embarrassed about it, but usually it's just because it's like, well, I gotta do it for whatever reason. Like, I, I, <laughs> I guess there's like an immediacy to it, but it just seems weird to be like hit the showers and then like just two seconds and two feet away from the people that told you that to start taking your your clothes off. I feel like you'd go over to the shower. Now I want to see some early leaps where Sam's like, Al, Al, just turn your back while I do this, will you? Just just look, look away, we'll keep talking. <laughs> I'm thinking but- about her charm. He's like in his towel and then he just starts like getting naked and like, but I guess, I don't know, like in Leap Back, he starts just like stripping down to get in his Fermi suit in front of everyone. So maybe Sam is kind of an exhibitionist. <laughs> maybe he's like, I'll get yeah, naked in front be. of anyone. <laughs> hey, take a look at my, at my boxers. <laughs> He's as willing to get naked as the writers are to write him getting naked. <laughs> Once you've seen Sam in the Fermi suit, there's not much left to the imagination. No. <laughs> like, you're about to see me in my Fermi suit. You might as well see everything else. <laughs> Woo! That's why the project is so... <laughs> you guys ever seen that promotional picture of Scott Bakula? I have no idea what it was for. It might have been around Lord of Illusions, um, where he's in like a trench coat and a pair of briefs and... <laughs> Googling! <laughs> uh, sunglasses and like a jar of whiskey in one hand and a cigar in the other. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm literally going to this. send this picture. Please, you sent me you a picture. Need to see this. A, a promotional picture from Lord of Illusions that you sent me with Scott in a pair of brown slacks, no shirt, bent over <laughs> like holding a sword. Yes. That's <laughs> now, a very good. This wasn't this this picture wasn't specific to Lord of Illusions, but it was it was clearly from some magazine or something, and it may have been to promote that. But it's so ridiculous because this is like the opposite of any vibes Scott Bakula gives off. <laughs> like, look at this. <laughs> Let me take a look. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, wow. Holy yeah, crap. That's... I mean, he, he looks great, but what is this, though? Like, what, what is <laughs> Who made this decision for this particular aesthetic? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, our Leaps Elsewhere episode of Lord of Illusions is now available on patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast. And goddammit, why didn't we talk about this hey. during that show? <laughs> oh, man. Just brilliant. Holy crap. That is, that's a train wreck. <laughs> It's the the cigar and the alcohol too. Like why? Okay, that's from his like Playgirl one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's more clothed in the Playgirl picture <laughs> than he is. In- exactly. 
That that somehow looks more appropriate. He's a cowboy, a sexy cowboy. Oh my god. We're just sharing sexy Scott Bakula pictures with each other now. This is a great pod. I was gonna say, anybody listening at home, just just pull out your phone and type in sexy Scott Bakula into Google and it's basically the same thing. You'll see what we're talking you about. You can look up Scott Bakula Playgirl and it's not gonna you're not gonna see any anything you didn't get fully naked or anything. But no dingus. You can see some pretty steamy pictures. No baculus. No. <laughs> uh, if you want to see the most Scott Bakula, Lord of Illusions director's cut, that's about as close as you're going to get. Okay. How did we get onto this? <laughs> <laughs> and I think we did talk about that in the Lord of Illusions show. Available now at patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast. <laughs> I have a couple uh, more notes and that's that's all I got on right hand of God. All right. So uh, we get a little bit about Al. Um, I believe Matt mentioned this when we started. Uh, Al's dreaming about cheating on Tina with Denise. Denise, get in the closet. He, g- he gives this great backstory where he's like, I met her at a party. She's writing my life story. It's like, <laughs> what's, she, what's she written so far? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> It's half a good idea. That one, it's like, I don't know what the better um, headcanon is for me, that it's true or that it isn't. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's such a weird story, but it's very funny. I feel like he is cheating on Tina with Denise. Oh, yeah. I think like they're cheating on each other all the time, for Uh, sure. Yeah, and I think that this makes sense in the fact that Al still has his own place. He's not living at the project yet. So it's easy for Denise to uh, come and go because she's not part of the project staff. So he feels like he could get away with it. Because there's no one on staff there writing Al's life story. I'm, I'm reasonably sure. He's sleeping with Denise. Tina's sleeping with Gushy. Everyone's sleeping with everybody. <laughs> Just like one of them soaps. <laughs> Daytime dramas. <laughs> the, um, the, the ending. How they win all this money. They bet money on the Muhammad Ali fight. Yep. Which Sam knows who's going to win. Which seems the opposite of what was going on in Tale of Two Sweeties. Certainly does, but they went all gray sports almanac on this one. So there's going to be an evil Biff Tannen in uh, 1985 from this timeline forward. Hey, butthead! Sorry, Terry Copley. But yeah, you know what? I think they were a little bit more loosey-goosey. And the fact of the matter is, I think that they used that very well as a red herring for the plot. Because I was thinking that the whole thing was going to be Sam using Dixie streaking to um, distract his opponent so that he could knock the guy out in whatever round they decide she's going to streak in so they can get the round winnings instead of just the straight fight winnings. And that was sort of big, a big distinction. I completely forgot about the Muhammad Ali thing, but the fact that they had such narratively convenient interludes of it being on the radio and it being on the mm-hmm, TV yeah. just so that we could drop it into the plot – it was a really good way to take something that I thought was very clunky and then come at you from left field saying, oh, and by the way, this is how we're going to solve the leap with the money aspect of everything. Um, it's not Sam being so confident, you know? It's it's Sam being smart. It's Sam saying, wait a minute, I, we already have a fight. We know what's going to happen. Why don't we bet on that instead? Ding, ding, ding. That's why I'm the quantum physicist who invented time travel. <laughs> it seemed like most of the stuff they were seeing on the TV came into play too, because that's how he got the idea for the for her to streak. Yeah, that was uh, that was a very quick turnaround in his head for that one. I think he just wanted to see her naked again. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, we can use this. <laughs> and he thought everybody should. <laughs> Even in the quick cut of her taking her robe off, you can like see the nude underwear. Yes. Like it's not really great. But <laughs> it's it's worse in HD. To be fair, it's covered up a bit better 
in the DVDs and That's true. It would have been a little bit more um outside of the safe zone, but it was still pretty Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I was most surprised that it wasn't that. It was the fact that when I was watching it and you could see the TV, the news report, you could see the guy's butt clearly. And I'm thinking, wow, that's a naked yeah. butt on Quantum Leap during 1989, prime time. I'm wondering <laughs> if that probably didn't show up on the tube sets of the time. It was probably, you know, lost. It was a tube image projected through a tube image. It was probably indistinguishable. It was probably just sort of like a white blur to anybody watching at the time. But the magic of HD revealed all that good butt crack. So <laughs> I think you could still see it in SD. But I think because, I mean, the sensors are like so particular about what's allowed or why. It could have been because it's small and it's black and white or it's historical footage or any other various reasons. No one's going to get off to that. It's news. <laughs> they they wouldn't have shown like uh, frontal or anything like that. Like I think a butt. They're like we'll allow that. Well, I mean, we we did uncover an image where you got uh, full on uh, nudity in a certain episode. Oh well, that's that was an accident. <laughs> that wasn't because they were intending to show anything. That's Occasionally, true. something like that might slip through, but not on purpose. Well, I, it just struck me as like, oh, that's a little bit risque for Quantum Leap. It's sort of about nuns too. It so. is, yeah. <laughs> They were able to get that one through. <laughs> All right. Here, you were talking about fashion before. I should, I should have brought this up then, but how does St. Mary's Parish have merch? Like, <laughs> she's wearing a branded sweatshirt. Gotta make the money somehow. <laughs> yeah, they're selling them, trying to get their chapel built. Yeah. Like, uh, not big sellers. <laughs> it feels to me like they that money would have been better spent, you know putting it towards the chapel. <laughs> Sam even has like a robe like with a little halo on it. Like customized <gasps> church. I haven't spotted that. That's marvelous. Yeah, on the back of his like Kid Cody robe, it's a little halo. It's definitely specified yeah. to the church. <laughs> <laughs> the church does own him. Lock, stock, and barrel. Yeah. <laughs> you think it was Angela or uh, who was the other one? Sarah? Sister Sarah? Sarah. Well, those, yeah. The other two guest stars we haven't discussed. The one that I thought was Guy Stockwell was actually Alex Cologne. He's the one who played Gomez. And probably the most most familiar face in this one to anyone who grew up watching reruns is Sister Sarah, who was played by Nancy Culp. Nancy Culp was uh, Mrs. Hathaway on the Beverly Hillbillies for as long as that show was on. So she was a very familiar character actress to the TV generation. She related to Robert Culp? I don't know. Now I want to know. I wasn't even thinking of Robert Culp, the late, great Robert Culp. Now I'm thinking of the greatest American hero. Thank you very much, Alice. Oh, I see. It's Culp, uh, Nancy Culp with a K, K. and it's a C for, okay. Yeah, no relation then. All right. But yeah, um, but I I interrupted you. You were were going to say something about Sister Sarah. I believe you were. Uh... I probably was. Um, <laughs> I apologize. Oh, yeah. Do you think she was the one or like which one was the one who's like, they're going to go get this robe embroidered? Like, this is going to be great. <laughs> listen, listen. They got nuns doing nothing all day, but nunning around. I'm sure that there were some nuns on staff that can embroider a robe. <laughs> Uh, my favorite line that I've ever heard, it was in a movie, it was an indie movie, but they were talking about, no daughter of mine is going to be some nun sitting around making diamond shoelaces for the Pope. (laughs) 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 So they can make diamond shoelaces for the Pope. (laughs) I'm sure they could give Kid Cody a pretty sweet robe. (laughs) No offense to any of our Catholic listeners, it was just a line that struck me as funny a thousand years ago. 
Anyway. Uh, you put you put in the notes there was no SFX in this episode. There was no, no at sound the effects. Very end. Sound effects. Oh, sound effects. Uh, yeah, that I see, was, that's yeah. usually special effects. Yeah, I know. I realized it after I typed it, but then I said, hey, it'll give something to talk about. Um, right. No, um, the hand link had absolutely no sound effects. And if you're going there, the um, imaging chamber door was never seen in this one either. Al just kind of appears and disappears. Like Sam is shadow boxing, whatever. He looks over and Al's just gone. Yeah, Al did this in early seasons where he would just, like, just disappear without a word and, like, there was no sound effect or anything. I think maybe they started adding the door later, but it was like, he would just, like, blink out of existence. Yeah, he would just be gone. And um, you didn't even see him disappear most times, I guess, because they didn't want to do, you know, the the stopping and and the starting again, like the freeze takes. But as far as special effects go... Here's one aspect that we haven't touched upon that I loved. When Sam is in the ring without Al's help, he would not have been able to knock the guy out. And Al is putting his hand through the guy's chest, putting his hand through the guy's face saying, hit my hand, Mm. hit my hand. And it was another neat way for them to use the hologram effect, much like they did in Genesis when he was saying, follow my movements when he was teaching him to fly the plane. It was so uniquely quantum leap. It's like really um, exploiting some of the best possibilities of what could be sort of like a hokey, a hokey thing. Oh, Al just walks through stuff occasionally. Well, no, we can use this to our benefit. And I I really like the way that they played it. Is it a little unrealistic that he'd be able to do it with some guy dancing around the ring? Maybe, but I thought it was pretty cool. (laughs) Dean Stockwell had to been in the danger zone constantly (laughs) dancing around. But the energy of that scene is so good because um, especially earlier in the show, you you could get that kind of like, 80s television pacing that's like a little bit slower and i think dean stockwell did play uh, al a little bit softer than he ended up doing later um but during this scene like just the, the energy is on like he's dancing around the yeah. ring he's like pop him pop him pop him yeah. and like hit my hand and then celebrating and putting his hands up and like it was just it was so good now, gosh, now I'm thinking of that scene and Sam hugging himself. And no, he's hugging Al. Thank you, Allison. That he's makes, that, makes it that much better. <laughs> it's like, it's it's so cute and so tragic at the same time. That's just the, the, the vibe of this whole thing. It's like, this is so cute and kind of sad. <laughs> when Sam, like, like is smiling through the mouth guard and nods to Al. And then Al, like, blows the guy over. <laughs> Such a moment. So we, we know, um, not particularly surprising but uh, Scott Bakula had to learn to box at lunchtime so yeah this is just one of these examples of Bakula being amazing and being like yeah all right I, I gotta learn a whole new skill for the show he's gotta learn to box at lunchtime <laughs> what can't he do yeah wow I really thought that you know if you're in a like a dedicated TV production such as this that you might have some more lead time to teach your actors the things that they need to prep for this stuff especially now when you think about it like every show you see these days that's more of like a sci-fi show there's so much action so much martial arts going on like think of an episode of Arrow where it's just basically 35 minutes of people fighting in hallways yeah, but Arrow, they know that they're going to constantly be using these same skill sets every episode over and over again. And uh, in Quantum Leap, he's got to be learning a new thing every day. Um, 
And also, like, in Arrow, they're not in every scene. And Scott Bakula was in every scene, so when would he have time to do any of this stuff? It was absolutely insane, the schedule that they gave him for five years. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Didn't Deborah say on her interview that uh, we were trying to kill Scott <laughs> or something yeah. like that? Something to that effect? Yeah, definitely. Like, <laughs> whew. no one could ever accuse Scott Bakula of not being a hard worker. Gosh. <laughs> Let's see. But how about, you know, I, I'm trying to think of episodes that were as physical as this one. And I think that thankfully they didn't make him do this kind of stuff all the time. No. They made him do it a, a good bit of the time, but um, it wasn't this way every week. Sometimes he got to just be like a Seamus. He's like, can I sing and dance this? Uh, can I just play the piano, please? <laughs> <laughs> can I just wear this fedora and look really good? Do you have a red vest to put me in? <laughs> Dean Stockwell's just like, ah, I'm going to go golfing now, smoking his cigars. <laughs> Out of my two scenes. Sucks to be you. <laughs> <laughs> what other factoids do you have, Matt? Yeah, there was another thing uh, that I wanted to share that um, Diamond Farnsworth shared this at the, the Leap Back convention back in 2009. Apparently it was Dean Stockwell's birthday during this episode and the crew arranged for some stripping nuns as a surprise for him. <laughs> I don't know if this is Diamond exaggerating or if this is just, you know, I, I guess you hired strippers at work back in the 80s. That was, uh, I don't think they'd get away with that now. Uh, I remember hearing some story about sexy nuns, but I thought it was Rena Riffle and that was in season three. Was that a different thing? She dressed up as a different sexy thing for him? I, I don't know. If I, I thought it was this one. I remember something about sexy nuns and I think it was actually... It might have been during season three with Rena Riffle, but I could be mixing up stories as well. She was uh, an extra during some season yeah. three episodes, which we discussed, Glitter Rock, Miss Deep South. Anyway, regardless, that did happen at one point, yes, <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. I was I was fairly convinced it was about this one. Uh, I'll have to go back and check out the original quote. but um... I mean, it does involve nuns. Not to say that, yeah, there, there weren't two nun incidents in uh, uh, throughout the <laughs> Maybe series. Maybe it was like a yearly thing. They would get him sexy nuns when it was his birthday. Exactly. Maybe this set the scene. Maybe this set the precedence, right? <laughs> did did Z Dean Stockwell have like a nun thing, maybe? Maybe he just... I mean, yeah, he wanted to know if they wore underwear, so sure. <laughs> Maybe that was an ad lib. <laughs> and that nicely leads me on to, uh, I, I just want to do a, a final bit of uh, draft script fun. So this is a, a page worth of script, so bear with me, but I think you need to hear all of this. This is Sam and Al talking um, towards the start of the episode. Sam says, I'm scheduled to get my brains knocked out and disappoint that young woman. Al says, the one without underwear. Uh, Sam says, <laughs> and you're saying I'm probably not even supposed to be here to start with? Al says, we're just less sure than usual. Sam says, but you're usually not very sure about anything anyway. This is when Al says, Sam, baby, booby, sweetheart, we're doing all this on the fly anyway, right? And then, Why oh, did they cut that? Why? Nah, oh, it gets better. Sam says, yeah, but sometimes you've got some hard data that helps. Hard data. Oh, we're going to go there. Al says, we've got the same moist, glistening variables, but this time the data's flaccid instead of turgid, okay? <laughs> in the script. Sam says, but why? What's different about this time and place? And Al says, if I knew that, I'd know the problem. Ziggy's responding as if there's something involved uh, something involved here. The computer can't compute. This seems like Sam is playing along with Al in the like, in the sexy wordplay here. <laughs> 
my baby. Which is very weird. <laughs> I think that's a little bit too blue for <laughs> for Quantum Leap. Oh, yeah. It's too blue for this podcast. <laughs> I mean, th- this is the same script that wanted to be in Dixie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. John Hill being being horny. Being extremely horny. And then it, and then it evolved into this extremely sweet almost chased episode right <laughs> it is weird that they managed to pull off that dynamic of this this chased feeling in an episode that involves streaking a woman stripping in front of sam yeah <laughs> just all sorts of like um dirtier things in it but it never feels dirty no they really wanted to lean into the naughty nun subtext i guess Definitely. thank god that they they pulled back the the nuns never feel dirty though At i feel all. like no, they made a I'm really saying. great decision to to pull back on, on all that, of like, that yeah, the fact that the the nun seems to have this uh, the hots for Sam, um, it's still there, and the, I like that there's that that layer there, but it never feels like it goes too far. No, it doesn't. Everything between them seems just sweet and genuine, and I, I thank God that this script wasn't produced as written. But hearing that oh, exchange jogged my memory about something that I wrote down, but we we forgot to talk about. You wrote about something being flaccid instead of turgid. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, unfortunately. Ziggy can somehow predict or thinks she can predict where and when Sam will next leap. How does that work? Because Ziggy said that you were supposed to be in Texas in the 50s. Right. They did that in a few season one episodes because I remember uh, Double Identity also doing that, like them trying to figure out, like predict where he's going to go. And eventually they just give up on it because they they never do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's the algorithm there? What is what, you know, it's uh, is that Ziggy being like, is that it's the- <laughs> hubristic Ziggy? It's the same algorithm that you use to figure out what chas people are going to like <laughs> <laughs> at the Thanksgiving dinner in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see our leaps elsewhere for NCIS New Orleans. That's <laughs> both Scott and Dean at patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast. Yeah, just doing the plugs for all our stuff. <laughs> this is going to be the one. People are going to be like, right hand to God, I've been waiting for this one. And they're listening and they're like, woo, they got all this other stuff. And they're going to check it out and they're going to subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, it was and, it. Uh, they get all this access to this uh, great content. It was just, it was just very, um, wow like you're supposed to be in texas in the 50s why don't we explore that oh i wish they could explore that more texas in the 50s was just the the pilot again isn't it yeah pretty much (laughs) texas maybe they were in texas i thought they were in texas they were in waco um during the ball game right i do like this aspect of like they think ziggy could predict and they're trying to figure stuff out and this is a, a through line through season one like it's like maybe we can figure out where he's gonna leap and if we can figure out where he's gonna leap we're gonna figure out how we can retrieve him and if you try all this stuff maybe um and eventually they give up on that because none of it's working so yeah. that's that's the way i look at it yeah it falls to the wayside because they don't got a freaking clue <laughs> yeah <laughs> Like, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, guys. I, I really think that I, I got nothing left on uh, Right Hand to God. You guys want to get in some final thoughts? Sure. Here's my final please, thoughts. Please, Allison, hold forth jump on your in. final thoughts. <laughs> I know I don't usually go first, but um, yeah, uh, this is a great episode. It's really cute. Uh, it's really uh, sweet, and uh, it's got some great early bits and... Um, it's still got that season one feel, but in a very good way. It feels like we're just going back to basics. Cool. How about you, Matt? Yeah, I think when I was preparing for this and at the start of this, 
recording, I felt quite flaccid about the episode. <laughs> <laughs> but now you're moist and turgid. And I'm moist and turgid and glistening. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, I think um, I'm getting a, a slightly new appreciation for it. I mean, it, like I say, it's, it's an okay episode. It's not one of the standout ones for me. But I can, uh, yeah, I, I can appreciate it a bit more now. <laughs> Go on, Chris. I'm still laughing about moist and turgid. <laughs> Listening, I can now get moist and turgid about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> if I can bring this back into the sweetness, I thought that this was um, just a really terrific intro into Quantum Leap. It had such a like a wonderfully organic flow to its storytelling, and I feel like that was something that the show lost as the premise got cemented and the plot beats became sort of like more formulaic, more routinized, more first act. Where am I? This is what you're supposed to do. Ziggy says you're supposed to do this. The odds of this. You don't really get a lot of that here. And I think there's a freshness because of that, that I didn't realize I was missing. Um, I understand Sam and Al necessarily at the writers along with them, would routinize this stuff after a while. After they become old hands at it, they wouldn't spend so much time sort of dithering back and forth. But in this, it just really works because it didn't seem like you have sort of like the stock beats that Quantum Leap um, would start to deliver after a while. There was just such such a freshness to this. And I thought it was wonderful. I'm so glad that we're doing this rewatch in the order that we are. The, the patrons seem to want us to do them um, from the beginning straight through, even though we've been plugging Thou Shall Not. Uh, but I'm glad we're doing it this way because it does thou show Thou shalt us- not pick Thou shalt not <laughs> But it gives us it gives us a real view of how the show is evolving, and in in a good way. The things that I didn't know I was missing, I miss. I I miss sort of some of these aspects, some of these folksy naive aspects uh, of the show. So, are we going to go through this all in order, but then skip "Thou Shalt Not" and just say <laughs> say to the listeners, "Look, this was your it's fault. The you could have had this episode." <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind skipping Thou Shalt Not, I'll tell you that now, but we'll let the listeners decide. It's going to be a reckoning. It's going to be a reckoning when we get to Thou Shalt Not. <laughs> well, until we get to that reckoning, um, I look forward to speaking with you guys about many more of these early season one, season two episodes, just seeing how the show is changing and evolving right before our eyes. And uh, I think that puts the right hand of God in the books. But everybody, stay tuned. Um, on the other side of the break, we are going to bring you that interview with Christopher Kirby. And we have some new patrons to announce and some feedback. So we'll catch you on the flip side. I want a girl with a short skirt and a long jacket. Hey everyone, it's Chris again, and I just want to give huge props to all of you who answered our call for Patreon support. Thanks to an influx of new and upgrading patrons, we're now 30% of the way towards meeting our goal of hiring an editor to help out when the QLP goes weekly to cover the upcoming Quantum Leap reboot. Help us build on this amazing start. Please consider lending your support at patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. For as little as $5 a month, you can get some exclusive swag, unlock more than 20 hours of bonus content and help bring the QLP to the next level.
And if you're already a supporter, consider upgrading your membership. We have big plans for the future, and we want you to take the leap with us. Join us at patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast. And thank you. We couldn't do it without your support. Hi, this is Terry Copley, and you are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Okay, everyone, we're back. And as promised, here is our interview with Christopher Kirby. Hello, Leapers. Uh, I'm here with the OG Herbert Magic Williams. The OG, Christo- wow. Yeah, makes, Christopher Kirby. That makes me sound, that makes me sound old as hell. <laughs> well, the reason, well, the reason I do say that is, as our most in-depth listeners know, uh, Magic is going to be the only character from the original series who will be continuing into at least the pilot. Uh, so we don't know if... Chris will be reprising his role or not. We'll we'll keep you informed on that. But at the moment, we'll say the OG magic just so that, uh, you know. So we know. Original mirror image, yes. All right, yes. Yeah, so uh, for anyone who uh, needs the info, um, Chris was in the Quantum Leap episode, The Leap Home Part 2 Vietnam, and he played the mirror image of Sam Mm. in that episode. That was me. Yeah. Many and, moons ago. Yeah. And uh, this is a very special edition as well because it's our very first in-person interview. Uh, yeah, just out of um, a sheer fluke, uh, Chris lives in Melbourne where I also live and he was very kind inviting me over to his house to record the podcast in person. And uh, my colleagues said, picks or it didn't happen. <laughs> Picks or it didn't happen. Wow, that that brings that's that's dangerous, isn't it? So that's so why I'm with you guys. Oh, I see. Okay, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So thanks uh, very much for joining us, Chris. Okay. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. And by the way, if I sound like a babbling lunatic, don't worry. We have some fantastic editors who make me sound coherent. Oh, oh you have. Hey, guess what? We haven't started yet. Wait, wait till we get into this. You'd be like, just does this guy ever stop talking? Uh, believe me, they'd much prefer hearing you than me. Uh, well, then again, you know, as they say, what is it? It's almost like uh, don't. Uh, this is if you want to prove yourself an idiot, uh, keep talking. That's the whole thing. Anyway, yeah. some talk something like that. Now. Okay, so um, one thing that our listeners would love to know is how did you originally find out about the role of magic back in the day? Okay, and- I think now if I'm not mistaken, uh, I was called. And this was one. It was either my first or second role, and I'm trying to remember. But I remember I was I think I was replacing somebody. And what happened was the person and this is this is a crack up. The person they had for some reason, I'm not sure if they looked rough enough or something like that. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? And I kind of went like, oh, OK. But, you know, look, and even then, back then, like I really kind of had a baby face. You know what I mean? It was like really just kind of like, you know, oh. And what do you mean had? You haven't changed the bit in all that. Yeah, I got you know, I got stuff going on here. I got you know, it's it's um, yeah, but it's but then it was just like I just went like wow. Um, and then even when I look at photos back then, I have to kind of just go, oh my, 
God, how, you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah, I get that. I mean, on one hand, it's, it's good to look back, but then on the other, you just kind of go, oh my God, that was, that was so young, you know what I mean? And so it's, um, yeah, so it's, it's, uh, uh, and then also with that, you know, it just brings back a whole flood of memories, you know, um, just like even getting to the set that day, uh, the, the call from the agent, oh, can we show up? You know, da da da. And uh, I mean, I always did like like the show. You know, television back then was a lot different. You know, I got, oh my god, talk about sounding old back in my day. <laughs> um, but it it was a show that you know it really sort of showed the, uh, for lack of a better word, just the goodness of humanity. Sometimes, absolutely. Uh, and sometimes it it happens in a time when you least expect it, you know what I mean? And so it just, it showed um, sometimes when we think we can't help, you know, there's always a way to even lend a hand, whether or not if you have the money or whether or not, sometimes just being in a room with somebody can just be volumes, you know what I mean? And so, and it's really interesting the fact that, you know, the, the thing was a mirror image because really it reflects back to us. You know, as, 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 but, but you know what I mean? I'm sure, I do. Yeah. I'm sure that's why it's, it's sort of in that vein, you know, and also, why it still transcends today, why it still transcends today. And also to mirror portals and things. I mean, wow. I mean, it's just, you know, so it was always a show that left you with something, you know what I mean? It left you with a feeling of uh, either happiness or hope. And sometimes in my, even if it was on a downer, you know what I mean? It still left you with a, it still left you with a feeling, you know, and and, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, that's what why that's why we watch, you know, movies and things along that to kind of to feel, yeah. you know, because sometimes our own lives may be a little too intense. Yeah. And to escape maybe from what you're currently Thank feeling you. and to feel something. Different. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so to, to. Yeah. And that's why soap operas used to be so popular. <laughs> Well, you know what I mean? And so because yeah. the thing is, they, they make circumstances so crazy. It's almost like, oh, my God, I can't believe you see this girl. She's like her twin. And I, you <laughs> well, know, I think Marlene is possessed by the devil at the moment. So, Well, you know, as, as you do, as, as you do, you know, so. But yeah, so it's it's, um, you know, it's 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 why we uh, uh, it's kind of like why we exist. You know, you know the old yeah. saying is. You know, we need to see ourselves in stories and sort of understand the world around yeah. us. And I think Quantum Leap was a perfect example of that because it got to leap back and forth in time in order to show you, um, um, you know, just obviously different. I, I can't call them mora- different, maybe parables, maybe. Yeah, different Not, perspectives. Yes, yeah, different. Yeah. And so it just so there was always something you're always getting something from the story. You know Absolutely. what I mean? So, yeah. And what was the audition process like? If you remember. Oh, man. You know what? I, if I remember correctly, I think I just went in and read a couple lines. You know, and you, you know, you're young and dumb and stuff. So you just walk up. All right. I'm just going to do this. All right. So, OK, great. Yeah. And I remember I did it. And then it was like, OK, you got it. And I was like, oh, OK, fantastic. You know, and then it was like, oh, uh, and then I, in the back of my mind, I thought, oh, OK, I got it. Then I thought, oh, man, I don't have, I don't have my sad card. <laughs> right, I remember. Like, here's the yeah. thing, though. Right, I remember. I walked on. I walked on set, and I was. I was actually trying to find uh, uh, someone, like a producer or something, just to kind of go, "Hey, man, look, thank you so much." You know, hey, just to let you know, 
right? Um, and then I, and then I think I, I might have mentioned to the first Navy, I forget. And then he was like, "Oh, don't worry, we'll just tap Hartley, right? Just like that, like boom, right?" And I'm like, "Okay, cool, yeah. all right." You well, know, well so, you know what they say: it's always easier to ask for forgive, forgiveness than it is to ask for permission, isn't it? So. Oh, is it? Wow. Okay, I just oh, that's a bit. Hold on, let's dissect that one. Okay. Um, yeah, and so it was, uh, and so to me, that was that was I was more worried about that. Um, but then, you know, you get into uh, the scenes because you needed to know the scenes, even if you're a mirror image, because obviously, that you know, it was going to be played out. Yeah. You know, that whole thing. And I remember we had this the one scene uh, at the bar uh, and we're sort of going back and forth. And I had to play the whole thing out. So, you know, there were, you know, like the whole uh, uh, cast was there this particular day. And I'm just like, you know, boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, oh, that's OK. All right. Let's do that again. He says, oh, it's good, Chris. All right. And then, you know, we just start snapping. And then, you know, you, you're already riding on the horse. And then it's almost like, okay, let's go. And he just went, wow, that was fantastic. That was really fantastic. You know, and so that, and so that left me with a warm feeling. And, you know, the other actors and, you know, the other actors in the cast. I mean, the guy from uh, Seinfeld was in it. Uh, yeah. The guy who played Putty. And, and I mean, so many uh, uh, actors. Yeah, there's the guy who was, um, he's in Family Guy as Joe. Uh, yeah. Um, the, with the really deep voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so, well, yeah, that's, oh, it's Putty. That's oh, yeah. Play Putty. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, and obviously with uh, Scott, Scott Bakula and, and Dean Stockwell, I mean, you know, I'm just sitting there just kind of going, well, guys, thank you for letting me in the boat. And, and and help and I'll just help row, you know. Yeah. And so it was such a, it was such a, uh, especially that first day, you know, because you know when you're the new kid on the block, and you know you still get this too when it's your first day on set, you're always a bit like, okay, you know, just to to find your your level. Yeah. But yeah, I never felt so uh, welcomed, you know. And obviously, it's like one of my first gigs, but I never felt so welcome in all my life. You know, everybody was just so nice and kind. And, and sometimes, you know, you've been in this business a while. It's not always like that. But that day, that particular day and, you know, and the other days I filmed, it was just it was just amazing. It was it was a great uh, first day on TV set day. That sounds awesome. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so many people that we do talk to say pretty much exactly the same thing as you. Everyone was welcoming. Mm. Uh, everyone loved being there. Mm. And uh, and this is why we have so many people who, like you, are so keen to talk about their experiences mm. because they had such great experiences. Oh, and every, yeah. Everyone's just fan so fantastic. And, and you know, and everyone wanted to know how, you know, uh, uh, and, and, you know, and really, let's be honest, we're at work. So really, no one really has to say anything, you know. They, but, you know, people really went out of their way to actually ask, hey, how are you? You know, uh, uh, like Dean Stockwell was like, you know, he'd be talking to and then he goes, hey, I'm I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Dean. Oh, it's a pleasure to meet you, Mr. Stockwell. No, no, Dean. <laughs> right. And he literally said that, not Dean. Dean. So tell me about yourself. You know. Yeah. You really have to appreciate when they're going to take the time now to do that for you. Yeah. You know and I mean, mean you know, so, when yeah. people are happy, they they output better happiness. in their work. Yeah. Well, that's, so. that's very that's good. That's better yeah. than the other analogy. Well, permission <laughs> than the other one. But that's yeah. good. It's true, though. Well, if, it's, only, if only more workplaces followed that sort of um, 
philosophy. Well, they could. Well, mostly people are now working from home because of yes. this whole pandemic thing. But it's true. And maybe that's, well, see, that's a great lesson also. And that's what I was, I think in order to really sort of tell those stories, it really needed to sort of come from the top down. Yeah. You know what I mean? And when you're working that way, when you're putting everything into uh, into the stories, into the product that basically make it to make it what it is, you know, to give you that that feeling. And let's be honest, it sort of harkens back to a, 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 a time gone by. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is perfect to have it set in certain uh, historical times. You know what I mean? Because it it just harkens back to a time when when um, things were a little more simpler. Things were a little more um, uh, well, at least we thought they were little more, um, let's say, earnest. Yeah. You know, we have a tendency to think in the olden days were earnest when really, let's be honest, I mean, we're as earnest as we want to be That's it. during that time, no matter whether it's now, uh, tomorrow or in the future. Right. And so um, and so it just goes to show that, you know what, um, uh, 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 just because, you know, we might hearken for those days again, you know, we can really still have it. The question is, it's just how we uh how are we looking at life? Definitely. How are we projecting on yeah. life? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah. For sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad that you're speaking so much. It means I don't have to speak much. Oh, no, I told you. I told you, I told you, dude. I told you. You're going to be like this, like, oh, when's this guy going to shut up? You know, when yeah. when Chris and I were speaking online, um, I said, do you want me to bring over the DVDs that might um, help refresh your memory? If because it's been a long time. You know, Chris is like, nah, but I remember it like it was yesterday. And well, it's yeah. like, I think, you know, especially, you know, when you're an actor and, and, you know, you sort of do this, it's, it's, you always, especially that, that first, and I keep saying this, that first SAG job, the thing that got you your car, you know what I mean? That is very, that's always a very special day. It's as if like, hey, okay, you're allowed to come play with the big boys. Come on in. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, it was it was it was such um it was such a, a a great day. And TV, TV obviously works fast, works fast in the film. But still, even then, nobody was um, there was not you didn't have anybody who was uh you know having a bad day, you know, putting a temper tantrum, uh or oh, how come you have this that you know, nobody was like literally from the top down, everybody was just so it was just nice. It was nice, you know what I mean? So it was just yeah. it was uh no, it was it was great. I could if I actually had to dream up a perfect time actually, to start on set, it, w- it would be that. I couldn't have I couldn't have uh, uh, dreamt that yeah. if I tried. Well, let's hope that uh, that carries on into the new series as well. Uh, and <laughs> yes. do you remember any anything in particular from filming? Any special experiences or funny experiences apart from everyone obviously being? Yeah, you know, I mean, look, you know, it's it's a thing of. Of uh, you know, you remember little things like uh, all right, like when when Dean Stockwell came on the set, he literally would he like he announced like uh, you know hey all right here comes the fun right and he's smoking a cigar right and it's like you know you sort of saw the smoke and you smelled before he got in the room right and then he just makes the announcement. And everybody's like, hey, Dean, how's it going? Down there? And everybody just kind of, you know, it's almost like they break out a little applause. Uh, and he literally says hi to everybody, like everybody, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm, I'm new. I probably won't, you know, I'm, I'm keeping my place. And he goes, Hey, Hey, you did And obviously I said that before, yeah. like, you know, he didn't have to do that, but that was kind of nice. You know what I mean? Because it just goes, and you know, being like on the top, one of the top on the call sheet, uh, you know, it's sort of, 
you know, that sort of reflects all the way down, you know? And so, um, and that's a lesson there too. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you, you know, I think there is a certain responsibility when you're, I think everybody has responsibility um, because you're creating. So everybody needs, I think you need to have that, that, that thing going. But also it's the fact that when you have the leads who are so um, inviting and, 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 and just set a great mood for everybody else. And it just makes you want to, you know, do your best work instead of, you know, sort of maybe living in a fear or, um, uh, uh, yeah, you know, just living in fear and just kind of, you know, cracking a yeah. whip, that sort of thing. And you know? so many actors have, you know, gotten their big break by doing Quantum Leap, like Jennifer Aniston and um, Patricia oh, Richardson and quite a few others. Oh, wow. And okay. you would you would expect, I mean, we haven't been able to speak to those particular people, mm-hmm. but um, you would expect that, you know, it would be from the good experiences that makes them want to keep going. So I guess yeah. so. I guess so. And, you know, and that's, but look, as I said, I think that's just a testimony to uh, the creators, producers, you know, and everybody involved, really, to make sure that, you know, we, you know, we take care of this baby uh, and look after it. And so, I mean, that's the best analogy I can come up with. But, you know, it is. It's a, it's a, you know, a show becomes sort of a living thing. And I think that's why we also attach to it, yeah. you know, as fans and, and, and whatever, because it's, it's something that... Um, uh, uh, you know, something that we feel, you know Definitely. what I mean? And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You know, it certainly really looked like Vietnam in that uh, mm. episode. Um, mm-hmm. Do you remember where it was filmed and anything now, that they had to do to recreate that look? No, they already had it sort of uh, marked up. Now I'm not trying to, I'm trying to remember, was that at the ranch? Was that at the ranch or was that at the, uh, no, it had to be at the ranch. And uh, Warner Brothers Ranch, which is just outside of, um, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to be it now. But it's, it's well, they call it the ranch because obviously right. they used to film a lot of, you know, uh, uh, westerns and things there. But um, um, I think that's where they had it. And I'm not mistaken. Is it the Disney Ranch, the one in California? Um, yeah, but I don't think it's Disney. Or Disney owns everything now. Disney does now, don't they? Um, it's, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was at the ranch. Okay. Uh, and so it was like, you know, when you showed up, it was almost like you just kind of went, okay, yeah, you know, you, you didn't really have to do anything. Um, you know, maybe don't look over that way because there's a car park. Yeah. But, you know, outside of that, it was it was just, uh, you know, it, it was, now, it's, now that's bugging me now. Yeah, normally I just go like, so hold on a second. Uh, let me just find that. I should have brought my book with me, actually. Yeah. One of our hosts, Matt, actually uh-huh. wrote an encyclopedia all about, oh, about Quantum Leap. All about uh-huh. Quantum Leap. So it probably has that in it. Probably didn't think to bring it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I'll, I'll have to send you it yeah. after I look it up. But, you know, but it's, you know, and it's that thing of, uh, uh, you know, the funny thing about, because I've had to play quite a few soldiers in my time. The thing about war is, um, you know, especially for, you know, uh, soldiers and things, you know, these were young kids. They were kids being thrown into a situation, uh, being, you know, told like, okay, go attack. You know what I mean? Um, And, and I, you know, and look, and I've had members of my family go off to war. And in my mind's eye, I just kind of thought, oh, my God, that must be so, you know, you always put yourself in other people's shoes. But I just kind of, my God, how did you do it? You know, 
that whole thing. And then you're thinking, okay, if you had to go, how would you deal with all this stuff? You know what I mean? And personally, if I had to actually answer that question, I think I would have to be that person that that would be that almost happy, not happy go lucky, but the person that would just kind of go, hey, we live another day. Yeah. All right. Who's got the beer? You know, you have to stay optimistic throughout. You know what I mean? Because it's so easy to be uh, uh, to obviously get down because literally death is everywhere. But at the same that being said, too, you know, you have to stay sharp, you know, because at any moment. Yeah. And so, um, you know, just little things that we sort of tie in. But, you know, probably, like, yeah, but you just you just did the mirror, dude. But these are all the things that, you know, you sort of put in your body in order to, you know, kind of allow this, allow the person to live. Yeah. You know what I mean? To yeah. And, you know, it's, life. it's funny that you say that because uh, Dean Stockwell, he really didn't like having to play the really dramatic roles. Mm-hmm because of the fact that he would have to put himself in that sort of a mindset so that he Old could method. portray it, Old a method. real method, method actor. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And even for a role where you're in the mirror for, what, a few seconds at a time, mm. you mm. know, the amount of work that you're putting in, it's, it's mm. really astounding. Mm. And, well, the yeah, thing is too, to you. but the thing, that's the thing is too, you know, when you look in a mirror, soldier, you know, what is he seeing? You know what I mean? Is this the last time he's going to, you know, see himself? Did he get a new scar today? You know, is that thing infected? You know what I mean? It's it's like you have so much, so much going through your mind. You know, I wonder what my parents are doing now. Are you, just, you know what I mean? It's yeah, just absolutely. so all this stuff that, uh, that literally in the, in the, in the blink of an eye can be taken away. Yeah. 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 And, uh, when you were doing the mirror shots, um, was it really difficult getting like the mirror movements with Scott Bakula right? And was it difficult getting the geometry for the mirrors right? Well, I think they've been doing the show for, I think, what, what was that? The start of the third season? Third season. When yeah. we started. So they kind of had that mirror technology down. I mean, I was learning on the fly of like going, oh, okay, that's interesting. I'm here, but they're like over there. You know what I mean? And so... Uh, you know, I was sort of learning as as we went along, but now nah, they had it like down. They said, "Okay, Chris, could you would you mind just leaning back just slightly?" Okay, all right, there it is. All right, could y'all you guys mark that? Okay, okay, Chris, you can rest now. And I'm thinking, whoa, wait, hold on, hold on, let me put this in my body. You know what I mean? And so, uh, uh, so they had it. They had it actually quite down. And obviously, too, it was uh, uh, you know they do. And when you actually look at that one image that I. When I, when I look back on it, it almost looks like they're there. Yeah. Like they're there instead of being sort of, yeah. you know, off. And so, you know, you sort of learn, um, you, yeah, you learn quickly in TV. <laughs> if you don't, you, you know, you, you're gone. No, but right. it's, it's uh, but yeah, it's just little things like that. That, But they, as I said, it was third season. So they had, they had that stuff down. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just something that I've been wondering, uh, I spoke to another person who was on the show and because on this particular show on on, on quantum leap. Okay. And because she was in the leap out, she also got shown in the next episode. And so she'd get residuals from both of them. Yes, 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 yes. The mirror shot with you in it is in the opening of every episode in season five. I was like, do you get residuals from those? Oh yeah. But like right about now they'd be down to like, uh, Oh, listen, hold on. That was shown in, uh, 
Oh, listen, that was shown somewhere in some small country in Europe. Then I yeah. got, uh, oh, I got like oh, five and a half five cents. cents. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. it, yeah, it goes because obviously they pay for advertising, things yeah. like that. And so, uh, and as the show goes on, obviously it decreases over time. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. But every once in a while, I'll get a, um, I'll get a little sag, a little nice. sag from something. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe enough for a cup of coffee or something. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess depending on where yeah. I'm getting the coffee. But no, I, I was genuinely, genuinely interested mm-hmm. there because I didn't know if it was the same with like the theme song from the. Oh well, theme songs are very and apparently theme songs are one of the most lucrative things now in television yeah. because obviously you wrote the song and basically just played every week yeah. and all that stuff. But, but apparently that's like crazy stupid money. Yeah. Right. Which is why I'm coming out with my albums. Uh, and, <laughs> Yeah, and so yeah, but apparently that is um, that's a whole. I think that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, no, I just meant because your image is played during the theme song in all those episodes. So, yeah. oh, is it? Yeah, in the season five ones. So I was wondering if you got residuals from oh, the I season five that. episodes. I didn't, well. I didn't, I didn't yeah. see it. Hold on, I need to. Let me make a make a couple of phone calls. Anyway, um, get, but get in touch with your lawyers. Yeah, well, no, no, no. yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's great. So, uh, but yeah, it's you know, and I'm sure that would have been factored in because there's always, I think, there's watchdogs on that. Yeah, you might have to go and find your contract from 30 years ago and scour through it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Yeah, I don't even know. Yeah. Very good question. It's somewhere. Um, nice. But yeah, yeah. Well, look, our fans are obviously massive sci-fi geeks, okay. and uh, I do have some questions about okay. some of the sci-fi things you've been in. Uh-huh. But because I'm interviewing you, I'm mm-hmm. asking what I want first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you so are, you're not a sci-fi geek. Oh, I, I am. Oh, okay, there's a lot saying, of other right. stuff that I like to. I like just about everything. Okay, all right, just checking. Right, yeah, because I didn't know whether or not if uh, yeah. you know I need to be here because like you know the fans will be like, oh, what are you going to do now? He's <laughs> he's not a sci-fi guy, yeah. huh? You going to stand up for it? Yeah. No. Um, the one that really jumped out at me when I was looking at your IMDb was a Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and oh, I went and looked episode. up that episode, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. had a really funny scene with Will Smith. Yeah, what was Will Smith like? What to work with? Oh, it was good. It was good. It was. Uh, uh, it was really funny because that particular scene, and obviously we bump into each other over the years, because yeah. uh, Jada was down here working on the Matrix yeah. sequels, and so I was on that. And uh, Will was going around saying hi to everybody. Then, uh, you know, I was kind of waiting, waiting my turn as I do. And he just sits there and he goes, hey, man, Will. And I said, yeah, yeah, Chris. And he goes, oh, nice to meet you. And I go, hey, man. And he was like, you know, and he goes, you know, we met before. And he goes, what? And then he's sitting there talking and I go, yeah, you know. And then I basically had to go through our relationship. And he was like kind of going, Oh man, dude, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I think he just got off of Ali too. Yeah. Right. And so he was a he was sort of a bit. And I just kind of went, yeah, man, you know, Mr. Rodman. Back in the he goes, oh man, damn, why did you say so? And I go, I, I just did. And so um, oh we did so we we uh we crack up about that. But like on that day, it was like, well, that's a very interesting one too, because and like and on that day, because I was doing a show called was space above and beyond yeah and the casting director said look i'm having a problem casting this role would you mind showing up to nbc i mean uh and about you know like 7:45 for this you know for these callbacks you know because I'm, yeah. i gotta find this guy and i can't seem to find him and i went uh okay all right do you have a script she goes uh yeah yeah i'll just give it to you but you know 
I'm sure there's gonna be some notes and chances. Say, all right, whatever. So I show up and there's people like, you know, you're literally sitting out in the hallway about to go into an office. We're sitting outside and a couple guys went through and I heard some laughter, you know, but it wasn't like, you know, bah ha ha, but I kind of went, okay, maybe no one's hitting the joke, right? I remember they brought me in last. Okay. Right. I never, Lisa Miller. Lisa Miller. It was Lisa Miller who brought me in. Hello, hello, Lisa Miller. Lisa Miller Katz, I think her name is now. And I said, well, and I looked at her and I said, uh, so do you have any questions? And I said, um, do you have any notes? <laughs> like that, right? <laughs> just straight up, right? Yeah. And she goes, and she literally looked at me. She goes, uh, she goes, just sit on it. <laughs> just like that, right? I, yeah. And since she said, I went like, oh, like something went off. Yeah. I went, okay. And I don't know if everybody remembers, but I was sort of showing Will around an apartment that whole day, yeah. that you know, that sort of thing. And then uh, I remember, I sort of it was physical, right? So yeah. there was actual couch there and things like that. And so I remember I, I was showing him around the park. Oh, yes, it's a great place, blah blah blah. And then it was like, uh, all right, so uh, so one guy he said, so when are you moving out, right? And so I just sort of sit down and look at him really <laughs> serious, right? He go, oh, I'm not moving out, right? Like that, right? <laughs> they, all right, the producers started laughing, right? And they were laughing and they kept laughing, right? I mean, almost to the point where I kind of went like, oh, wow. You know, when when it, be, it starts to become a roll, yeah. right? And, you know, I don't know, I, I would say a good five minutes, Literally, and they're going, Oh, that was fantastic. No, no, no. All right, that's great. You know, uh, and they said, Oh, do you guys want to see it again? He goes, No, 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 no. <laughs> and they were, all, and as they were saying goodbye, they had tears in their eyes and all that stuff, right? And I looked over at Lisa and I went, And she just, she kind of gives me a thumbs up. And, like, all right. and so I started to walk out, and she goes, Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll be in touch. Now, <laughs> this is back in the days when we had pages, ladies yes. and gentlemen. Right. Uh, and I had a page for a legitimate reason because that's how my agent got in touch with me. So as I'm walking to the car and I'm putting the keys in my door, my pager goes off. So I had to go find the phone booth. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, that was pre-mobile phones. All right. Or I just what was that like or, 90, 93 or something? Yeah. Or I didn't have one at the time either. Or I forgot what, which, which was first. But and I just get the phone call and it just goes, and my agent says, Oh yeah, you got it. Just like, and she says it like that. She never used to be that enthusiastic. And she goes, oh yeah, you got it. And I was like, going, oh, okay, all right, good. You know, and I said, well, that's good to know. I mean, they seem to like it. They said, like it, holy hell. Uh, from what I gather, you know what I mean? And so I'm already getting the playback from my agent and I haven't even gotten to my car yet. Yeah, so that was, that was a blast. I mean, and then on the day, because when they film the show, they really get sort of get the audience really hyped up. You know, so it's like really like a party. Yeah. And since it was like one of the last episodes, it was a lot of stuff going through uh, the audience. So there's a lot of sort of celebration, but also a little melancholy, you know, things like that, because, you know, the show's about the end. Uh, and, I rem- <laughs> and I remember when we started to shoot my scene, when we went live on the floor with it, and we started to do it. I did it. And the reaction was a little different yeah. than, say, the producers, because you kind of hear like, a, <laughs> and then you hear like, a, oh, 
Like it's almost like a groan, right? And then I heard this one. I heard this one. I remember it was a female voice. It's going, "Oh, he nasty," like that, right? And I was like, kind of going, "Okay, I guess I got a reaction," right? you know what I mean? Yeah. But then it was almost like, and then I'm thinking, okay, do I need to, you know, bring this up, bring it down, then and And I just looked over at Will. He just kind of waits. He goes, "No, that's good. That's that's good. That's real good." And I go, "Okay, I'm just checking." All right. And so, you know, because, you know, as an actor, you know, you're sort of there to serve the story. Yeah. So and that's what I that's what I was there to do to serve the story. But there was a ball and everybody on that show, they, they were also quite, you know, friendly and open and hi, I'm you know, I'm such and such. It's a pleasure to meet you, you know. And so there wasn't, um, you know, there wasn't uh, nobody was head tripping or anything like that. You know, everybody was there for for the production. You know, what I mean, so, yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Oh, I do love hearing <laughs> Hearing that uh, everything that you've done pretty much is just a great experience. Oh, I got some story. No, so anyway, I went to this one thing, right? They said I had a job. But then again, it was like, oh, I said, oh really? Okay, I see what's going on here. But yeah, listen, you're going to have, I think in life, you're always going to have, you're going to have your ups and downs. You know, that's just what life is. It's, um, it can't always be all high moments, can't always be all low moments. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, uh, you know, example like the tide. You know, the tide's not always high. Yeah, it's not always low, but it's always in flux. Yeah, and that's what sure. and that's what life is, and usually careers and work and everything else because we're we're part of that. Yeah, no, we do love hearing all the great experiences though. Makes for poor podcasting when it's all high. <laughs> oh yeah, could you imagine? And then all of a sudden, I discovered gold, and there was a leprechaun. <laughs> And then he said, all right, I'll do anything yeah. for you. Okay, we're going, we're still waiting for one guest star to say that Scott and Dean were absolutely nasty to them. No, we haven't been able to find one yet. It's like that old joke. It's that old joke, you know, like you get those old Hollywood legends, like say like Jerry Lewis, right? Sometimes Jerry Lewis could, could be known as he got a little older and be a bit thorny. But then the old, the old joke is, yeah, but you know, he treated me well. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... Look, I'm a firm believer, sort of what you put out, you get back. You know what I mean? So it's not like, um, and you know, and I've worked, I've worked, I guess, with some pretty big names and things like that. But I don't, I just consider it like, you know, obviously they're work colleagues. And so it's nothing like, you know, you're there to do a job and, and, and all that. So it's, it's, um, uh, and it's nice. I, and it's always nice to think like somebody that, that is famous is nice because maybe that just reaffirms our faith in, in whatever. And sometimes, and look, and that's not to say I haven't had experiences where people weren't a little less than, for lack of a better word, kosher. Mm-hmm. But as I said, you're going to get that in life. You know what I mean? So it's um, it's to be expected. Now, if you're going to ask me who those people are. No, no, no I'm, I'm not going to put you in okay, that sort of his name. <laughs> S. We'll keep that. C. We'll keep that off the record. No. Yeah, to keep that off the record, I'm saying it's almost like, hey, how come it's being typed out? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I do have a photographic memory. So. Yes. Uh, okay. But you've actually been in Australia for quite a number of years, mm. I think since the early 2000s. Mm. Um, and I do travel um, back and forth. Though, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've been an awful lot of Australian stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I was just wondering, um, why did you decide to move out to Australia and pursue the Australian market? It was love. Yeah, so it was love and and family. And so it was uh, it was an opportunity to come, you know, to be somewhere else besides just being in Los Angeles. Now, you know, mind you, I could have moved to, you know, I guess other places in the States. But, you know, it's 
it's funny how you get a little different perspective when you sort of you move away from you were from where you grew up. And I guess I've always been very and I've traveled quite a bit. And so I always had sort of a different I don't think I had a different take on things. But I also knew that sometimes when you're well, let's say if you if, if, if you're in a place for too long. You know, you might just take on a perspective that may not be worldly. Let's say I know yeah. I'm picking my words carefully, but I, I like to, yeah, yeah. But I like to I like to think, and literally, I'll say this. My friends always laugh. I said, "Well, I am sort of a citizen of the world because I have to think in terms like that." And not, and that's not to say I'm not proud where I come. I'm a very proud American, African American, and Californian. You know, Los Angelian, very proud of where I come from, where I grew up. But at the same time, I also know that, you know, there's a place for us in this world that doesn't necessarily consist of us constantly going, you know, me, 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 rah, rah, rah sort of thing. You know, we we're here to, you know, we're here to I, I can't even say help. It's more like share and like yeah. to 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 uplift. You know, look, I, I got in this business at the end of the day, to tell stories, to tell stories of, of humankind, no matter where they come from, where they're going, because I always think we have to see that in order to understand who we are in this bigger realm. And I think the best way of doing that is possibly sometimes going outside of where you grew up in order to understand that, right? Absolutely. Uh, because you get, you get perspective. There's yeah. no way you don't, right? Yeah. And through story, do story, no matter what language, era, time frame, what have you, as long as it comes from the heart, it'll go to the heart. Yeah. And so that to me is, I find that very important. Very well said. And that's why I continue to do it because I, I still think there's just when you think, oh, okay, maybe, maybe it's longer or less. And I go, wait, who got like that? You know, that whole thing. And so, you know what I mean? And and we're constantly getting reminders of it. I mean, we're going through something right now, heaven for fan. I'm like, I can't even mention it. But you, you would kind of think that those times were over. I didn't think I would have to be living through things that my grandparents did or my uh, you know great-grandparents did. But here we are. It's a very scary time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the one thing that really can speak to all of us all of us are usually the arts. Yes. Because that's something that, you know, you don't necessarily have to hit people over the head with it, but you can, you know, you can, um, uh, what's the word? It's not hitting over the head, but you, you just sort of can inform, can inform, but also ease, ease it into it. You know, and it doesn't even have to be which sci-fi really is always a great vehicle for telling Definitely. these stories yeah. like that, because, it runs along parallel lines, right? But we know exactly what what it's you know what it's going to. You know, you get that through you know sci-fi. Get it through satire. You get it through you know lots of lots of little things. You know, and so you know it's important that you know we and I think also too it, it and it also offers a form of hope. And I think no matter what, I think, you know, always love, always love, because that's a thing that we come from and that, that we always should be given. And no matter how horrible, and I got, I have to say this, no matter how horrible someone is, they are only, they know that's the love that they know. Now it's not saying that the love that they know is 
is right or is uh, universal, but uh, it's a love. Now, the question is, how do we how do we obviously turn, you know, not to say turn that person, but just enlighten that person or help that person sort of uh, see that, hey, you know what? Their family's there. They're, they're human beings there. You know what I mean? And so, uh, which is why I think sometimes I, I'm not a big fan of the word borders because they separate. Now, obviously, you know, everybody comes from a place, sure. But I, I like the fact that you know, we can, you know, let's say a film like, I don't know, let, let's, I'm just top of my head, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, right? Which really, I should not, you know, it's it's really has you know, nothing to do with where I grew up or anything like that. But I love that movie because yeah. it tells a universal story. Absolutely. And that's, and that's what this is. And referring to Quantum Leap, they, they told these little universal stories. Yes. And made them palatable for the television sort of getting these, these beautiful lessons, right? But told through emotion and told yeah. through, you know, without it being, you know, sort of knocked over your head. Yeah. Quantum Leap was great at being able to tell a story about issues that are yeah. from the past, mm-hmm. maybe seeping into the present, mm-hmm. but from the point of view of someone living in present day. Yes, exactly. Really good at being able to highlight where things are wrong, yep. where things need to be worked on. Yep. but. Also, at the same time, not really feeling like they're beating you over the head with it. Like Thank you. Saying. And I think that's the thing, too. When people feel like when you're forcing someone into doing something, people are always going to reject it. Always. You know what I mean? But when you, uh, it's like, I, you know, I was going to say tickle. I don't know, that's the wrong word. It's almost like, it's almost like uh, uh, sort of surrounding. When you sort of surround someone, and I don't mean surrounding as in trapping someone. Just it's like just like the environment, like the yeah. environment, yeah. like you know what I mean. It's like you know submerging yourself yeah. in into something. You know Absolutely. what I mean. That is that is just and you know you don't have to live there. No, yeah. but you're there for a short period of time. But during that time, you know you 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 know you 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 know you feel something. You're 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 enlightened. You get to know something that you didn't know when this thing's first started. Yeah, you know. Um, sometimes it's harrowing. Sometimes it, it, uh, uh, it's funny. It can be, uh, uh, thought provoking. Uh, and sometimes you get it all at once, you know what I mean? But that's the great thing, great thing about stories that yeah. we get to, you know, we get to do this. Absolutely. And yeah. some stories are timeless for that reason, which mm. kind of leads me into another thing that uh, I saw you've been working on. Uh, You've actually been working through the pandemic, haven't you, with the Shakespeare? Little things, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, um, was it you were producing and acting in the Shakespeare, Shakespeare Republic? Shakespeare Republic, yeah. We had uh, well during this last session because normally what Shakespeare Republic is, I don't want to sound like a salesman. <laughs> uh, it is what we do. We take uh, we take uh, little uh, uh, speeches, uh, monologues, what have you. Uh, we take them from, say, the play, and we place them in a modern setting, mm-hmm. uh, and we sort of give it a bit of uh, pathos through that modern setting, but we keep it in the original language. So, it's, so with the iambic pentameter. Yeah, and all that stuff. But here's the thing. A lot of people, because most people hear Shakespeare, and they kind of get turned off, because what happens is you learned it in school, you had to learn it in school, and it was sort of forced down your throat. And it's a language that we don't speak today. So it turns a lot of children off. Yeah. 
right? I remember the first time I had to read it in class. I literally, you know, and I was very proud. I was like, oh, teacher, I'll read. I was one of those kids, right? <laughs> and I'd be like, I sat there and I remember I sounded like, wait a minute, this doesn't make any, why am I, why do I sound like I can't read? You know, it was, it was like that, right? Yeah. But then I'm stubborn. I'm very stubborn. And so I just went, no, 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 this is not going to beat me. So I just kept going. But the thing is with Shakespeare, if you're going to, if you're even going to delve into it, you can't read it first. You have to go watch it. Yes. You have to watch it, which is why if you're studying Shakespeare, if anybody has kids or anything like that, or if you're going through it, go see a play with it and then come back to the text because then it starts to make sense. The only instructions in Shakespeare are usually exit and enter. Yeah. That's usually about it, right? Everything else is sort of up for grabs, right? Um, a lot of interpretation. A lot of interpretation, depending on, you know, what it is. So let me get this straight. King Lear was what? Anyway. Um, <laughs> but, and so we take these things, we, we put them in um, uh, sort of modern day settings, uh, and we tell the story through that. Oh, Yes. And, you know, we can and we can be found on the Internet. It's in this last series. This is our third series that we've done. And we had to do it remotely because obviously uh, because of COVID. So it was as if so we had a director on one end sort of looking at us, either someone taping us or no, not someone taping. Actually, we're taping ourselves because really you couldn't have anybody around the house. And that's it. And so literally we had to do it that way, this last series. And I kind of thought, now I remember Sally, Sally McLean, who, who uh, is the creator of, of the series, said she wanted to do it. And, I, and she just come off of something else. And I, I said, are you sure you want to do this? You know, because I know, you know, you kind of, this other thing kind of kills you. So oh, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, uh, and, and she was having, she felt like as if, she just wanted to get it back up and running, yeah. you know, and I was I was more concerned about her. thinking, think, OK, this is a huge workload. Yeah. But I was like, all right, you know, all right, well, you know, if you want, I'm in, if you're in, I'm in. But, you know, I'm just I'm a little worried. Yeah, whole thing. But ended up doing it. Um, it all came out. I think we did. I want to say 22 episodes. I could be wrong. Um, I think that's what I read. Yeah. And and yeah, we got through it. And. Right. Won some awards this year, uh, which is great. I mean, we normally do win awards, but yeah. it's um, and it's the type of thing that is uh, and Shakespeare can be either done when it's done well. It's like, wow, it's really amazing. And when it's not done well, you're like, oh, my God, that's amazing. <laughs> you know, it's, you know. Yeah. And so but what we try to do is make it well palatable to the masses. Because really, let's be honest, if Shakespeare is living today, you know, he'd be writing big popular movies and, and yeah. things along that nature. Absolutely. So, and these stories are obviously have lived through time for a reason. Yes. And, you know, you can, then you get to debate, oh, did he actually write everything? Nah, nah. Look, I don't, you know, to be honest, uh, let's say you can t- kind of tell in his writing whether or not he wrote it, because there's little signatures that you'll see. Yeah. You know, personally, when I go through the canon, I can't really see anything that really sits outside yeah. of his signature. Everything seems to match. Yeah. yeah. So... You know. you know, the funniest Shakespeare story that I uh, have heard is there is one play, I can't remember which one it was, mm-hmm. but he literally finished writing it while the actors were on stage performing the first part of it. Oh, that wasn't, um, 
No, was that one? No, this is one. Of, was this one of his first ones, or I can't remember. I'm sorry. Uh, 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 they said this on QI, which is one of my favorite shows. Oh, QI, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah with uh, Stephen Fry and yeah, Steve that's, a, that's a brilliant show. Yeah, and uh, I can't for the life of me remember which play it was, but they were saying there was Romeo one play. Yeah, which was Romeo and Juliet. No, probably not. Yeah, yeah, I had to like look that one up. Yeah, <laughs> but but that's the thing, and it's so and you look, and I think a lot of times. Yeah, we, we, we get these certain prejudices, yes. you know, as I said, because of school or whatever. But every once in a while, I think it, you know, we have to sort of walk through that yeah. in order to kind of go, okay, all right, all right, obviously this, this is here. All right, let me open myself up to it. And if you're doing it correctly, and I will say this, if you're doing Shakespeare correctly, there's no way, if you start a play and win it, there's no way it won't change you yeah. by the time you get to the end. There's no way. Absolutely. There's no way, you know what I mean? So there's something in you that has to open up or, 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 you know, you, 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 um, let down a guard or whatever. And then things start to kind of flow. Yeah. And it's a thing, you know? And so, and even with, we did, uh, in our second season when everybody was choosing to play a part, I'm, I'm, I can be the ultimate procrastinator <laughs> and just kind of go, oh, I'll just wait. I'll wait and see what's it, left and see what's left. Right. And I remember there was the, uh, uh, cause, uh, Sir Ian McCullen does, yeah. does the famous speech from, uh, Thomas Moore. Yeah. And that was on the list. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm not touching that. <laughs> I'm not touching that. Cause I just saw him. No, I'm not yeah. touching that, that whole thing. Right. Um, but apparently Sally had said, I, everybody, you can, everything's open except this because Chris <laughs> is going to do this. And I went like, and you know what I mean? Yeah. And I literally, it got to the point where I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking it's just staring at me in the face. Right. I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to have to do it. on it. <laughs> And it was like that. And so, and so, yeah, I, I think obviously I got, might've got bamboozled into that one, but it was a thing of, but also too, I knew I couldn't do it as Ian McCullough because, well, yeah. he's Ian McCullough and I had to do it as myself in yeah. the circumstances that yeah. we surround. Everyone can only do themselves. Can only do themselves. So we put it, it was during that time, remember the time when they were deporting families from uh, America because of legal status and yeah. stuff like that. It was right during that time. And so, and we try to make them topical. The, the places, the settings. So basically, I played a council member who was uh, a head of council member who basically had to remind the people that, hey, you know what? If we thought the way you guys think right now, if your ancestors thought the way you would think right now, you wouldn't be here. Yes. And then that just gave me the impetus to go through it. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, I read Dark Arcadia is the next chapter in the Chronicle, is that right? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna try to do um, a little something that that talks about, um, that sort of talks of, I don't wanna necessarily say, well, sort of bullying and and how language is used in a way that can either be as useful or harmful. Yeah. Because just because someone says, uh, oh, just toughen up, hey, hold on, you know what? You, you also had a choice of actually saying yeah. what you said. And so, you know what I mean? And so it's, it's almost, it's making people just aware. And as I said, you know, we want to, we, we just want to enlighten, you know what I mean? Just, just, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. And have fun doing it. Yeah. So I can tell Shakespeare is quite a passion of yours. And uh, uh, you're you know in uh, Macbeth as well, um, an older version of it as well. Oh, you? the uh, the M. 
thing here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, we did a little thing there. Yeah. I had to. Sorry, I shouldn't have said the name of the Scottish play, should I? No, that's all right. Look, I don't care. Look, no, no, no. I just like I'll say Macbeth because I'm not that. I'm not that. I'm not superstitious like that. If I'm superstitious like that, what the hell? Um, but actually, did you happen to see the uh, uh, Cohen Brothers, the one with Denzel? No, I haven't seen. Ooh, that. I'll, I'll, I'll get that on on mm. my list. But yeah, actually, speaking of uh, Macbeth, the superstition actually comes from um, the days when. Uh, the reason that it's considered to be bad luck is mm-hmm. because when a play oh, yeah. was bombing, yes. it would get cancelled. Right. And because Macbeth was always popular, they yeah. put it on in place of it. Yes. So that's where this bad luck. That's uh, why you don't want to mention from. Macbeth. Yeah. yeah, yes, because it's almost like, oh, shit, are we going to close? <laughs> yes. No, yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm not. Um, yeah, it's funny how, and, you know, the old thing of whistling in the theater, you know, that, that whole thing, too, because used to whistle back in the day to, to raise, raise the curtains in, in certain scene, scenery. And so, yeah, things like that I find interesting, but I can't adhere to yeah. because it's almost like, what the hell? You know, you've got enough things out of your control. You're do you, do you know it. about the quantum leap superstition? What's that? <laughs> All right. Well, the Halloween episode, which uh-huh. no one's allowed to say, uh-huh. uh, apparently does have an awful lot of bad luck associated with it. Like oh, does pe- it? People who try and record it, the VCRs would would stop. Really? Uh, there'd be things like power outages and oh. lo- lots of things like that. And so so there's sort of this same mentality of you're not supposed to say the name of that episode either. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Ah. I mean, and so we just joke along with that okay. podcast as well. So. But there is the names of the episode. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll have to look it so up. It's a name starting with B. <laughs> Oh, it is it? Yeah. Okay. But, uh, yeah, we've already had a little bit of trouble with our electronics, so I'm not going to say I'm I'm just going to throw out B words now. (laughs) All right. Is it uh, Bishop? No, it's something that comes out of your nose and then. Oh, right. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. but yeah, I just find it funny that we that quantum leap has its own little superstition similar to yeah. that one. Well, I think yeah. Listen, we all have a yeah, we all have a thing that. Uh, and here's the thing, you know, people who are superstitious aren't. You know, I think we all have a belief, whether or not if it happens to be of a of God or or, or Buddha or, or or something bigger than yourself, yeah. or even if you believe we're just on, on this planet in a in a and avoid and just hurling through space, whatever, all good, right? I do believe that we all have a, a belief in something because if we didn't, there wouldn't be sort of a reason to go on, if that makes sense. Yeah. Even, and even if you just believe in hope, yeah. you know what I mean? Or whatever, so yeah. That's it. But anyway, I hope that our listeners haven't been turned off by our Shakespeare discussion. Yeah, they're <laughs> no, like, going, well, shit, get back to the thing, dude. What's no, going it's on? been great. I know that everyone's going to love everything that we've said. Uh, but we should get something for the sci-fi geeks now. Oh, let's talk now. Let's talk. <laughs> uh, one that really um, jumped out at me was Predestination, mm-hmm. the movie that you did with Ethan Hawke. What mm-hmm. was that one? Uh, what was that? Like, oh, that was fantastic. I, yeah. I remember when we showed up, it was the thing of when I got on set. <laughs> okay. I remember when we got on set, it was like kind of gone. I thought, okay, everybody. And the, the energy seemed a bit like, oh, it was okay. You know what I mean? And I remember I, I got there just in time for uh, lunch because we're doing night shifts, yeah. right? And so we're sitting there and uh, I'm sitting down 
And like Willem Dafoe was like right there. I'm like, damn, that's Willem Dafoe, man. Hey, how you doing? And he's like, well, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I got a little injury in my back. You know, I'll be okay. I'll just do a little yoga. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. You know, um, and I was like kind of going, and I said, oh, you don't have to worry about that. I mean, you're young enough. Then what? And he goes, yeah, I'm 68. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit, what? Yeah, I mean, I was like, holy hell. But just, yeah, you know, I'm still only with 68. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> Man, he was so like, I'm, I'm sitting there because like one of my favorite films, dude, was uh, To Live and Die in L.A. Because it, it sort of plays along just that, that noir, crazy sort of, oh, just love that movie. And him in it was, I just thought, holy hell, this guy, you know. And then I went back and saw some of the stuff and Steppenwolf and things. Just, just amazing. And so I remember just sitting looking at him going, dude, damn, all right, I got him. And and on this particular day, I had all the dialogue. So we had, there was Ethan Hall, there was Claudia Cameron, and there was uh, Willem Dafoe. And I remember sitting there going, oh, and I'm doing all the talking. Holy hell. All right. That's all right. Willem, let's make it work. And then, you know, we started sitting there and uh, we're going through it. And I remember... I'm, I make a joke, right? He goes, well, just improvise a little bit if you want to. I say, all right. Then I, and I say something about somebody shitting themselves. A couple of <laughs> people start laughing. Now, here's the thing. When I got to set, there was a, a half, the, half, the, half, the, uh, half the cast and crew had been out because of some, I, there was something running through the set. It was something like, and they, I think they were going to close it down. I'm probably telling tales out of school, but they were going to close it down, but they decided, no, 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 we're going to, half the people were sick, but it wasn't like sort of a health yeah. concern where they had to, you know, this is a few years ago, so people, it was no corona. <laughs> All right, there's no corona. All right. Yeah, it was like um, 2012 or something, wasn't it? Yeah, and so, and I remember, I just sounded like, oh, oh, so everyone's sick. I didn't realize that. Okay, all right, all right. And so, you know, you sort of take it on board. Uh, because, you know, I got to set. I felt like I was like a little kid. I'm jumping around like, ah, oh, this energy. I was like, I don't care. <laughs> and even to the point where cause Ethan got sick. So we actually have a scene in the thing when I meet him. Right. But here's the thing. He couldn't be there because he was sick. He got sick. OK. And so we actually had to do those are two different things. Right. Right. But it looks as if. Yeah. Ba-bam. It's amazing the magic that they can do with. Uh, oh, just like it's, oh, it's just beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful, and the and yeah. the uh, and the brothers, Sprig brothers, are just they're just amazing. Yeah, they're just amazing. They are, uh, yeah, and yeah, they they are. Actually, I was mentioning uh, Daybreakers in that predestination, yeah. but <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but yeah, but even then though, and uh, and Sarah Snook's performance in that, you know, and predestination is just my God, it's just classic you know it's it's i you know personally i don't i don't think she got really gets the credit that she deserved on that one yeah because she, she was just phenomenal you know it was a really great movie and mm. yeah and you know all the time travel fans really yeah. geek out over that one because oh, yeah. of the paradoxes and everything oh, yeah, yeah, coming yeah. out and what did and, you think of the concept oh i love the concept yeah. well here's the thing too in order to actually do a time travel movie and actually make it play. I mean, that script's got to be real tight. Yeah. Or they've got to at least keep these timelines up. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And you know, and that's and that's not easy. It's not easy to write a good time travel script and keep it, like, keep it on pace and everything like that. Oh my God. They just... Definitely. Yeah. They just you know, it, it surprised me. The whole 
movie is about a paradox, but yeah. somehow it managed to stay paradox free. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know, because it's based on that that short story. Yes. By yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, oh, it's just, it's it's phenomenal. It's yeah. it's really, it was one of those things, I mean, because obviously I did Daybreakers with the, with the guys and then they wanted to do that. And I can tell you, I was so proud of them. Yeah. Just as filmmakers and things, I just went, "Wow, man! Just that's just that's just great, yeah, great." Just you know. De- definitely. And yeah. talk about using the sci-fi element sure. in order to, you know, sort of um, um, expand on that storytelling yes. and, and to say, you know, because there are little messages that there are in there that are just, yeah, okay, yeah. you know what I mean. So, for sure, and. You know, Quantum Leap never really went into, despite being a time travel show, never really went into that side of things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the, the thing about Quantum Leap is because they are, yeah, it's a different, but it's a different time trap. Yeah. If you know what I mean. And so, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, and it's, even though, really, to tell you the truth, it's, it's not easy to do something like that because the thing is, you have to do it and you have to keep it relevant and fresh yes. and, and all that, which is hard. Oh, yeah. Which is hard, yeah. you know what I mean? And so, you know, kudos, kudos, you know, there's no doubt. But as I said, it's, it's a different type yes. of sort of um, of time travel. But also, too, there's certain elements that are very similar to yeah. if you know what I mean. So, yeah, man, I think personally that's because I'm trying to write a time travel thing. And it's it's not easy. Not easy at all. Well, all the Quantum League fans will be there to help you if you need it. <laughs> okay. Hey, guys, I'm looking at a lot. This guy's a talking bear. Yeah. yeah. So um, you, it's actually lucky that you've been in Australia because you've been able to be in some American projects that are filmed here, uh-huh. like um, Star Wars yeah. and uh, the Matrix movies, I yeah. think you said. Uh, what yeah, was it like? Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, we've got someone who's uh, Star Wars alumnus and a Matrix alumnus. Mm. All, all we need is Star Trek now for the for the triad. You heard him. You heard him. <laughs> Come on, Paramount. Um, it's uh, and I like the new Star, uh, Star Trek. Actually, I really, yeah. I really Discovery. Right? Yeah, Discovery. Oh, I like it. I like it a lot. Oh, and there's also is Picard still going on? Uh, it might be, and I think they're they're doing some more movies as well. Oh, yeah. with the Discovery or. Or are you talking about the Star Wars? I mean, the Star, Star Trek. the Star Trek one. Oh, right, 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 yeah. right, right. But yeah, the Star Wars stuff coming out at the moment. Yeah, really good too. Yeah, it's look. I, okay, when I got cast, well, okay. <laughs> All right, that's an interesting story because I was doing Queen of the Dam. Damn, this is so old. I was doing Queen of the Dam, and I remember everybody was giving an audition for the Matrix, and I kind of yeah. thought, okay, all right, whatever. And I kind of left it be, but then. It got to the point where uh, I went like, "Well, shit, I'm not being called in." And I asked my agent. I said, "Hey, do you think I can get a uh, I can get an audition?" They said, "Hey, Chris, look, we tried. They don't want to see you." And I went like, "Oh, right." And I went, "I tell you what, just just." And I said, "I literally said it like this." I said, "Get me in the room." Now, my mind's eye, I went like, "There's no damn way I'm not being I'm not being." In this room. I'm sorry. I'm just no. Sorry, that's not gonna happen. Right. That's just stubbornness coming through again. Right. And so I remember the first thing I auditioned for was Ghost. So I sort of did Ghost and I played him as I would have played Ghost. And it was like, oh, that's interesting. And they said, could you bring him back for this other character, which was the character Miles? So I ended up doing that. And it was like, okay, all right. All right. So 
learn, I got the job. Okay. Now we're on set, right? And you know, the actors are sitting around there talking. And they say, Well, how many times you audition? One guy said, oh, I auditioned like eight times. How many times? Oh, it's about 12. I'm going, Oh, shit. And they come to me. I'm like, going, uh, I'm not going to say a damn word, right? I'm going to like an asshole. You know what I mean? Because, you know, but, uh, but being on set, look, for me, for being on set, it actually felt like going home because you're in a big studio. You're, um, you know, you just, you're getting to play in the, in the thing, but it actually really, it really did feel like home. I mean, I could have been, I could have been at Universal, NBC, you know, Fox. And so to me, yeah, it felt like, oh, okay, cool. We're going to, we're going to work. You know what I mean? And hence our, our characters were a lot like the war yeah. thing. So, you know, we, we had that. So, you know, I was familiar with that world. Uh, but just to see the sisters, just to see them work, yeah, it was phenomenal. It was, it was, it was, it was a learning curve beyond anything, you know. Yeah. And and yeah, I was just, I was happy to be there along for the ride. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was, you know, they say, "Oh, go stand in the corner." Like, All right, cool. I'll do that. Because here's the thing: sometimes you'll work with people. And you'll be like, okay, all right, yeah, that was that was a great experience. That, that works. And then every once in a while, you do know that sometimes, you know, some people just don't care. Yeah. You know, and that's fine. That's not for you to whether or not they care or not. You still got a job to do. But sometimes those people are actually telling you what to do, and so there, there becomes a little disconnect. For me, there was no disconnect. I would have been like, all right, well, obviously, I see you guys got a bigger picture. I'm part of that. All right, let's let's dance. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there was that trust. Yeah, there was that trust for me anyway, because, you know, I'm sure there were people who didn't, they may not have that experience, you know, because it is such a big film. But I loved it. I just thought like, all right, cool. And when I saw the, look, there was a time period where, you know, they were making these movies and they had, they would make these movies for this one shot, right? And they make these, this, this movie, didn't have a good plot or anything, but it had this really great special effects shot, this one thing. And then basically it was back to the crap, right? Yeah. And, and when I saw the previews for The Matrix, I went like, oh, okay, all right. I literally kind of rolled my eyes, you know, because it was that thing of, what was it? It was the one of, I guess him doing the backflip. I went, okay, they made a movie so he can do a backflip. Yeah. That now, right? And so my friend came to, the, to, came to the house. He said, okay, let's go watch this movie. I said, I'm not going to say that movie. Dude. He goes, why? He goes, and I was, what's that? I was in the States then, right? Yeah, well, we saw the best part of the trailer, didn't we? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it was like, yes, the best part would have been the trailer. He goes, all right, whatever. I said, yeah, just let me know how it goes, right? So he goes to the movies. He comes right back to my house, right? And he goes, and I go, and he's standing at the door, and he has this look on his face, like a look. And I go, I go, did you go to the movies? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, well, how was it? And he goes, oh man, oh dude, God, like, he's it. like that, right? And I go, oh come on. And he goes, no, I'm being dead serious. And I goes, and then he says, what's? He goes, all right, well, tell me what it's like. And this is exactly what he said. He goes, you know what this movie's like? He goes, it's you. And that's exactly how he put it. And I went, what? He goes, it's you, dude. I'm telling you right now. And I go, come on. He goes, dude, you got to see it. Sorry, let's go now. He's like, he's dragging me. Right? Straight back to see it again. Straight back to see it again, right? And uh, I'm watching it. 
thinking, okay, that's cool. That's cool. Okay, that's interesting. All right, then, uh, right? And then, I'm, you know, I'm falling. I can, I can see I'm leaning in my chair just going, oh, wow, all right, okay. But then by the time they get to that moment where Lawrence Fishburne says, welcome to the real world, I'm done. I'm like, I'm like, oh, my God. And I think I, I, I think I said that out loud. Yeah. I just went, oh, my God. Okay, right? And so, you know, you're just getting it, it, and in a lot of ways, and look, I mean, I know people who basically look at that movie like a mantra, like a religion. You know what I mean? Because it's speaking to people on a different level. Yes. You know, which is kind of interesting because you get the, the original, then you get the sequels. And we won't talk about resurrection. <laughs> But it's, but you know what I mean? And so yeah. you get, it's, it's, it's almost like, well, you know, it's almost, you're, you're sort of getting the, the, and it's odd that they mention things like, you know, you got Neo's the one, you got Trinity, you got, you know what I mean? You got, you know, Lawrence Fishburne's really John the Baptist and yeah. a lot of, you know, and so it's, you know, whether or not you even believe in that, I mean, there's other parallels that you can draw into, Definitely. you know what I mean? And so, but it's and it's done with a certain with a certain uh, adaptness, but also a certain sincerity that is hard to pull off. Definitely, because a lot of times they get into dialogue in there as they go along that could really be egg on your face for an actor. But you are in it; you are so in it by this point. It's just like. Okay, of course you have to say that at that time because that's what this is. You know what I mean? And so it's like, oh, you know, I cannot. And literally, I walked out. I went like, and actually sort of reaffirmed my faith. I had my faith reaffirmed a couple of times. That was one in movie making and Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Because, you know, they're, they're putting a lot of crap in. <laughs> but it's something about when someone can take something and make you feel as if, uh, you know, you're just hanging out with a boy at a bar, having telling the story. You know, because in a way, that kind of one way on how it felt, but also too, he was sort of uh, blowing your mind with um, uh, just the uh, almost the uh, the absurdity of certain things, like you know, like the violence or some of the dialogue or the situations. You know. It's, you know, I think it's good every once in a while to have that, you know what I mean? I, you sort of wish it wasn't so far in between and that they were more, it was more um, sort of commonplace than it was, you know, I guess the exception. But that's not to say, look, I mean, there's so many uh, uh, great filmmakers and stories that are being told, I mean, constantly. So even things that we don't even get to see main, like they're not mainstream. There's certain movies that are just being made in different parts of this world that are just so just, oh my goodness. I love film festivals because you go to yes. film festivals and you get to see things that are like just, oh, I didn't even think this even existed. Yeah. Right. But people are to, but see, that is why it's important to tell stories. Yes. You know what I mean? Because you just don't know where, where these gems are going to come from. And that's you know also I mean? why it's important to expose yourself to as much of it as, as possible. As much as of it as you're possible. Even if you don't speak the language, yeah. somebody will have a subtitle of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's, um, yeah, it's, it's just so great. And now, you know, look, I mean, who would have thought 
30 years ago, we'd be sitting down at our home going through libraries of movies yes. that are like ding, 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 ding. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, but the other day, what was I watching the other day? It was something like, yeah, well, and I had to make the remark. Oh, I don't make them like that anymore. You know, that, that, that old man remark. But it's, but also I think narratives are slightly changing too. But that's not to say that you have to, you have to throw away the audience's patience or audiences, um, uh, uh, you know, thinking that they won't come along for the ride or, or dumbing it down because you don't, you really don't, you know, we will go along. And also too, it becomes a puzzle. It's a, a it's a beautiful puzzle that we can just kind of go, Oh, okay. Or, you know, just, I guess just let, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Just let the <laughs> sunshine in. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's always, I love when I find little things like that. When you find just this, this, this little gem of a movie that you had no idea it even existed, but then you find like, oh my God, this is beautiful. Yeah. This is so Well, amazing. I tend to judge movies as to how good they are by how quickly I could come up with the ending. Like there are some which are very, very predictable all the mm. way through and I'll have, and I'll, I would say that whoever I'm yeah, yeah, but that becomes a thing of, but see, even that, you know, you know, you know that time when you're sitting in the movie and you go to movies with your friends, and then this one dude to be like, "Just, hey man, this is what's going to happen next, yeah. whether if he saw it or not." But he's just saying the thing. Goes, dude, would you sh- be quiet? Do you mind? <laughs> That's actually me. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah. But uh, but the thing is too, I you know even if, it, if that does happen, at least let me suspend belief. Yeah. So I can go along for that ride. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's it. Um, but I was just saying, I really appreciate it when it is unpredictable and yes. takes you in ways that you aren't going to expect. And, yes. Yeah. Although but, it's it's funny that um, there are so many repeated themes. Yeah. It's actually believed that there hasn't really been an original idea in decades. Well, and if, they, if anyone actually did come up with an original mm-hmm. idea, everyone would hate it. So, it possibly could. Yeah. Well, they say every story is written off of the seven the seven stories of creation, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah. And it's, um, and you know, look, maybe there's truth to that. I like to think possibly not because, and the reason why I say that is this. I think, I think the possibility for stories are as vast as every human being on this earth. Yeah. And what do we, what we have seven plus eight, of coming on 8 billion people, uh, because we all have different experiences. Even if you're a twin, you still have, your experiences are still a little different. And, and here's my hope. Um, and the, it's, it's and so I like to think if we actually delve into those truths, but here's the thing too, though. I think, I think there's, there's as many stories, what was it? There's as many stories as there are stars in the sky. But the, but the thing is, I do believe there's a common thread. Yeah. And it's through those common threads, those universal truths that we tap into it. We tap into that and we can obviously kind of go, oh, that was really good. But we may not know why it was good, but we know it tapped into it, you know, and that. That is amazing, you know what I mean, which is why I think sometimes it it does break your heart a little bit. Sometimes we read about things in the world because. I guess on one hand, maybe we thought we should be beyond this now. Yes. Uh, but as you said, it's, it's, you know, we still need these things. 
in order to remind us uh, so we can at least move forward. And, yeah. you know, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm babbling now. <laughs> yeah. Well, while we're on the subject of storytelling, um, you know, the questions that are on everyone's lips of all the Quantum Leap fans are, since Magic is the only character that is going to be continued in the story, at mm -hmm. least in the pilot, mm -hmm. um, are you willing and able to reprise the role if given the opportunity? Hey, man, if they actually said, hey, listen, we want you for that, I'd be like, all right, let's go. You know what I mean? I mean, I think you would always want to delve into something that you did much younger. It's like having to go back, because obviously now you got a little more wisdom, hopefully, knock on wood, a little more wisdom, a little more uh, experience. And the thing is, too, your life back then, I was, uh, you know, I was, I was with my buddies uh, trying to survive a war. You know, and now obviously you're a little older, you know, a little more life experience, possibly still in the military. I really don't know. <laughs> anyway, yeah. And so, you know what I mean? So obviously that has to color um, your opinions and your, um, you know, your, you know, just everything about you. And so, but yes, oh, look. If they said, oh, yeah, yeah, here we go. I'd be like, oh, okay, let's go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Give um, me a plane ticket. Get me over there. Give me a, hey, yeah. can you imagine? It's like, and God, I haven't been to Canada. I couldn't tell you how long. I could not tell you how long, you know? And it'd be beautiful, too, because, I mean, Canada's a very pretty country. Very pretty country. Somewhere I've always wanted to see. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's and, part of the Commonwealth, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Oh. Yes. Mm -hmm. But I think they're also, like, Got their own head of state now as well. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah okay. It's not. It's not like here where our head of state's still the queen. I don't. Oh right. All right. That's yeah. right. Okay. But I think they are still part of the Commonwealth. Yeah. 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 If that makes any kind of sense. <laughs> Never does. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, and what, what sort of stories would you like to see play out on the new Quantum Leap, especially if you're a part of it? Oh look. Uh, Obviously, too, I like this. Well, obviously, too, because time has passed and we're we're sort of looking at. We're looking, obviously, at history back. And I always say there's a certain responsibility, especially when you're looking at history backwards. Yeah. There's things that need to be obviously addressed. It's like that old adage of <laughs> if you can go back in time, what would you change? But the thing is, it's it's I would like to see. Well, look, especially now. There is so much division yes. in our world. And Quantum Leap would be the perfect show to kind of address that because it can really tell, tell the story from almost like uh, uh oh my God, I just thought I just saw the saw the image of Rashomon, you know, mm -hmm. the, where you get the um, yeah. the different stories from different things, yeah. right? Different angles. And Quantum Leap was always good at that. And especially now with, you know, obviously with uh, technology and, and, and uh, special effects we can kind of do now, it's, it would be interesting to see the deep dives they can go into, you know, and how far they would go into. Yeah. Um, you can address, uh, uh, you know, so many different things. Um, and the thing is you can almost be, uh, and now obviously too, you know, uh, TV is not, you know, it's not what it used to be. It's not, you know, so you can kind of push the envelope a little more, you know? Um, 
But at the same time, you know, I think you can push the envelope, but also, you know, give a, um, you know, sometimes we don't get all the answers. Yeah. We don't get all the answers. But I, I do believe it, it takes a certain amount of courage to ask the question. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes even when the question is put up on the table, you know, it sort of leaves it up to you to kind of find that answer within you. Now, that's not to say that, uh, you know, obviously maybe you shouldn't have it like that every week. People are like, well, damn it, I was like, you know, but the thing is sometimes it's good to kind of just to let people ponder because I think certain things we're still dealing with as a society that, you know, it, it, it'll be good to basically bring up the questions and it can, you know, and those could be long stories too, where, you know, you can, you can hark back to them yeah. in different episodes, you know, you can come back to it or it could be a sort of a long thread for certain, for certain um, characters in that, in the series. Yeah. You know well, it I mean? does look like they are going to have more of a uh, serialization to it from the project's point of view. Okay. Not, not so much from the leapers because the leaper is going to be yeah, 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 yeah. having a different place every time. Right. Uh, but also an extremely diverse um, cast of characters. Oh, good. I think um, the Leaper is going to be a, a, a person of Middle Eastern descent. Oh, but there you go. And, See, and there you go. So and, you can address it from that. Yeah, yeah and yeah, yeah. Uh, I think there's going to be a non-binary character. All right. Um, obviously, uh, an, um, an African-American right. Who's, right. who um, is magic. And mm -hmm. so uh, it will be good. I think it means the quantum leap is going to be in a very good position to tell mm. these sorts of stories. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, and, yeah, all right. Well, there you go. Yeah. And right. it'll be interesting to see too, because um, when in the original series, you know, Sam was a white man and he'd yeah. be experiencing, you know, um, things that he wouldn't have experienced from his position of, yes. um, from his position of privilege. Right. It'd be the opposite way around. Um the, the leaper this time uh -huh. might experience what it's like to experience white privilege. With you. Yes, yeah, that'd be interesting too. Yeah, the flip yeah. it on its the flip it on its end, just to yeah. kind of go, oh wow, you know, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and um, I'm very interested to see what uh, magic magic has to do uh, with uh, the government and with the military side of yeah, side of things. Should be interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah, it should be interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Obviously, I don't know anything about. Uh, the the new uh, series apart from the little bits that have been released but mm -hmm. uh, i know from the little trickles we have been getting it does look really interesting and um, yeah. we can tell especially with don and deborah involved in it it's it's in very good hands and it's going to go in directions that we like of course well the thing is they, yeah. they know the um, you know it's the original baby so they kind of know uh uh you know the roots and the um you know the behavior of the of the of the premise, and so yeah, it should be. No, it should be. It should be fantastic, actually. Yeah, you know what I mean. Far out. We've been going an hour and a half. So. That's all right. That's yeah, all right. let's go. Yeah, yeah. no. We <laughs> I can tell we're both a bit worn out now. It's been a fantastic uh, conversation, though. We, we don't go oh. off and get this deep. And that's all right. Yeah. Well, you'd probably be like, "Oh my god, we have to cut half of this. This guy just, <laughs> uh, just said nothing." Yeah. No, it's been great, and I don't think I'm going to have to do much editing at all, actually. So that makes it even better. Okay. Right. Yeah. So uh, thanks very much for for being here, and oh, thank uh, you for having me. Yeah, and uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate yeah, yeah. you having me over at your house to do this, and you know we we haven't done an in person interview before, and uh, 
you know, yes. always open to new experiences. <laughs> yes, well, yeah, it could be like just, and uh, we had to cut that. Okay, great. <laughs> because, yeah. Anyway, no, but thanks for having me. And um, yeah, and hopefully, you know, let's, um, you know, maybe we can do this again sometimes. Yeah, sounds good. And hopefully we see you on our screens again, too, as magic in oh, the very well, near future. Let's tell you what, I need you as my agent. I'll be pushing. Hey, listen, <laughs> yeah. this guy's my new agent. Yeah. Uh, well, well for our listeners who are wondering, um, the reason that I contacted Chris uh, originally was because we saw the character list. And I thought, oh, well, maybe, maybe he doesn't know that uh, the character is going to be back in the new series. And, uh, yeah, so that's how we managed to get um how we managed to get um, the conversation going, and uh, yes. yeah, and uh, yes. me being <laughs> uh, me being the one who contacts everyone, I, I can send out a, a request to see if we can get anything else going. Not that I've got any power or anything, but you know, yeah, it's, it's not what you know; it's who you know. <laughs> wow. Okay. Hey, it's not how you do it. Anyway, yeah. But yeah, we'll see. But listen, it's um, it's I always take a. a, a uh, I try not to get too attached to anything because yeah. it's that's that's life, you know what I mean? Because yeah. life is always in flux. But you know, as I said, if it if it does happen, I oh my god, I'd be so appreciative. And so you know, it'd be great to sort of come back and and revisit a, a character that wow, I did when I first started. And so that'd be yeah. insane. Yeah. yeah, it would be great. And you know, if the original person is willing and able, you know, there's. Yeah no real reason why you shouldn't bring them back. So I guess that's true. Yeah. That's true. Okay. Well, thank you again for, uh, for being a part of this, Chris. Um, I know that our listeners are really going to love hearing everything that you had to say. And uh, yeah, we, we'll all keep our fingers crossed for you as well. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bye guys. And there you have it. There's magic, guys. I mean, well, magic 1.0, right? That's... Yeah. <laughs> How lucky is Hayden? Right? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and um, I know that we've been shamelessly plugging the YouTube channel uh, recently here on the main feed of the podcast, but you can see this interview as a video version. I believe it was the first half hour of it uh, was captured on video. Uh, while Hayden's phone was still working and then his phone ran out. But thankfully, the recorder kept going. That's why we had um, so much more. So there's a shorter version and a video version. You can see Mr. Christopher Kirby in person talking to our very own Hayden McQueenie at youtube.com slash the Quantum Leap Podcast. Go over there and check it out. Thank you so much, Chris, for coming on the show. Uh, I just think it's especially neat that we got that interview with him right around the time that they announced that his character would be coming back <laughs> yeah <laughs> for the continuation yeah they hadn't even um they hadn't even made the casting decision yet either because right. he was he was interested and in, so it's um interesting listening to it now knowing that yeah how everything turned out yeah <laughs> great interview really good interview yeah really so thank you hayden for uh you know taking the initiative and, and getting that get for us and it's just it just shades i feel like we're we're poised on the brink of relevancy once again we're going to get so many great interviews because Ooh. this whole thing is coming on and uh 
Oh, I'm excited for the future of the podcast. New people to talk to. We yeah. we got all these we got all these great interviews. We got all these great new fans watching the show, listening to the podcast. Um, hey everyone, little baby leapers, welcome. <laughs> baby leapers. <laughs> baby Aww. leapers. That's a new Saturday morning cartoon, baby leapers. <laughs> <laughs> baby leapers. <gasps> Don't give Deborah ideas. Imagine it's like baby Sam and Al wandering around. <laughs> we got to make a t-shirt out of that. Scott Madison, get on that. <laughs> baby Leapers. He has like a little pacifier instead of a cigar. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and his gummy bear hand link is made of actual gummy bears and Legos. Actual gummy bears. <laughs> yeah, he's got to have like the most fabulous diapers possible. You know? He just occasionally <laughs> takes one of the gummy bears off and eats it. <laughs> They're JPD classic diapers, as we've discussed in the, the classic uh, Quantum Leap podcast episode, uh, Diaper Monkey. Diaper Monkey. <laughs> I was thinking we got to work the monkey into it, because Sam's going to be in diapers no matter what, like every episode of Baby oh, yeah, Leapers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's leaping into everything that wears a diaper. That's the concept of Baby Leapers. <laughs> Maybe we can make a new audio drama uh, on Patreon about that. Speaking of Patreon, see, I tried to find a transition. I think I did pretty good. Segway, segway. <laughs> we have two new patrons to announce. They are Ross Johnson and Spider Dreamer. That's the name he gave me, Spider Dreamer. Hey! hey. So Thank welcome you guys. aboard. Ross and Spider have joined us at the $5 Leaper level, which means that they get access to all of the exclusive bonus contents over there on Patreon, maybe eventually the Baby Leapers audio drama. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> What am I here for, Al? <laughs> That's my mommy! <laughs> we'll open with Diaper Monkey 2, Revenge of the Evil Monkey. <laughs> <laughs> See, because he could be a baby and then leap into the sequel, because time's not linear for them. Yes. So. That's true. And um, also, like, maybe he'll get a sidekick that is a diaper, a diaper monkey. Maybe he'll get, like, a baby monkey in a diaper. A little diaper monkey? Oh. It's like the little um, monkey in Dora the Explorer. Right. You know? Well, you, listen, it's a kid show. You have to have an animal sidekick. So yeah, but it's got to be like a wacky colored monkey, you know, because it's cartoons. So it's uh, it's like... going to be like, it's going to be triple pink, like Star Trek, the animated series. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Animated, like, filmation. Filmation style, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just half of their faces just zoomed in half the time. <laughs> Every time they run, it's the same cycle of uh, animation. Ugh, that music. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, thanks, see Ross and Spider. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you. We made those jokes just for you. Yeah, that's right. Because you're (laughs) worth it. Um, As $5 Leapers, Ross and Spider will also get um, their very own Quantum Leap podcast bookmarks as part of the QLP book club. Yay! Uh, We have plenty of books to go, so you're going to get a lot of use out of those bookmarks. If you want to be like um, Ross and Spider, you can check us out at patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast. And speaking of new patrons, um, we announced this patron on the last episode of the podcast, but um, I was combing through feedback today and I realized that she had written us. We had a new patron, $10 oh boy patron named uh, Jamie Bradbury. And uh, Jamie actually wrote us a very nice letter. Uh, I wanted to read that letter. Um, If you guys don't mind, I will start. 
She writes, hi, Christopher, Matt, and Allison, and the rest of the team. Just wanted to write in and tell you how much I'm loving the Quantum Leap podcast. Since hearing about the show reboot, I found myself revisiting Quantum Leap, which I first watched as an 80s, 90s kid who had to teach myself how to set the timer <laughs> on the VCR so I didn't miss an episode. Well, in the middle of my recent rewatch, I found your podcast, and it's been such a joy to nerd out to your conversations as I dip into the QLP archives. I really appreciate the thoughtfulness with which you approach episodes like Raped or Running for Honor, and it's a ton of fun to listen to you all speculate about the lore behind Project Quantum Leap. I just signed up to support your podcast on Patreon, and I'm super excited to hear more from you as the reboot develops. Keep up the great work. An Alaskan fan, Jamie Bradbury. Author of The Wild Inside and JamieBradbury.com. Yeah, Jamie is an author. She wrote a book called The Wild Inside. Maybe I should have clicked on the link and see what it's about. And uh, you can find that at JamieBradbury.com. And I do recall <laughs> remarking that we actually had a fan from Alaska or a Patreon supporter from Alaska. Anyway, <laughs> to me, it's just like, Alaska? You might as well be in Australia. Heck yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks, Jamie. This is a great feedback. What, what is what is Jamie's book about? The Wild Inside. Um, the the description is an unusual love story in a creepy horror novel. Think of the Bronte sisters and Stephen King. The architecture of the storytelling is faultless. That sounds like a really interesting. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Does it take place in Alaska? Uh, yes. Sold. Some, some kind of <laughs> some kind of wolf or dog on the cover. I don't know. Ooh. All right, we got uh, a JamieBradbury.com. Picture Jamie looking nice. <laughs> If this involves werewolves, you have my heart. <laughs> Not convinced it will do, but it definitely involves some kind of wolf. Now, is there a Watergate hotel in Alaska that the werewolves could live at? Nobody gets it. No? Anyone oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was reading the description. What? Werewolf of, of Washington? Yes, werewolf of Washington. Another <laughs> leaps this elsewhere. This description doesn't, doesn't mention a bunch of bathrooms in the White House. I just don't know. The Dr. Kiss? Uh, well, Jamie, thank you so much. Um, we will, uh, of course, encourage everybody to check out Jamie's site at jamiebradbury.com and check out The Wild Inside. I think Allison has already ordered it. I, I can't, I, you know what? I'm not unconvinced this isn't about werewolves. <laughs> Looking pretty good. We will bring you an update on a future episode of the Quantum Leap podcast. Alaskan werewolves. Give it to me. <laughs> yes, please. Give me more of that. <laughs> Well, Jamie wasn't the only uh, person to give us some feedback. We also received some feedback on our YouTube channel in response to our video interview with Deborah Pratt. We heard from uh, Mr. Adam Ridgewell. And uh, Matt, why don't you take this one? This was a fantastic interview. I have to admit, I was one of the early voices that was really scared of change, but I've been doing a deep dive lately of the original show. And I think... You all touched on something that's also occurred to me as I rewatch. People need this show. Those kids in a classroom need to know what's happened and is happening so they can grow up to be informed adults with empathy. My house growing up was full of history lessons others may not have gotten, and I can honestly say that some of them were sparked by the original show. We watched it as a family. Today's families need this show as much, if not more. Slow clap. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Adam. Very good, Perfect. Adam. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the bit he's talking about, about kids in a classroom, is Deborah had um, an anecdote that she told during her interview of uh, you hadn't listened to it in a while or you haven't listened to it yet. But she was talking about how um, when Jesse sits at the counter in Color of Truth, a teacher was showing that to the classroom. She paused it right as, as he sat down. 
and she said to the kids, what do you think happened? And the kids said, well, he got lunch. And then she said, eh, guess what? And she played it through and they were like shocked to see the reaction and, you know, to learn the history. So, um, that is sort of the, the moment that, um, Adam is referring to in this email about those kids in the classroom need to know what has happened and is happening. Um, I, I thought it was just a wonderful sentiment that, that Deborah gave mm. and that Don said, you know, the world needs quantum leap again. It's not just that we want to do it because Scott's free, even though Scott's supposedly not in it. It's not that, you know, we, now that I have 9,000 NCIS shows, I need to do another one. And you really, but they, I think that they're really genuine when they say that it's time, it's the right time for it to come back. And yeah, Adam, I couldn't put it better. We do need the show as much, if not more than ever. So, so very happy that people are seeing our YouTube content. Uh, if we haven't plugged it enough, I'm going to do so once more in the many ways that you can reach us here on the Quantum Leap Podcast. You can get us by phone at 707-847-6682. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can uh, also find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash thequantumleappodcast. You can get us on Facebook at facebook.com slash quantumleappodcast. You can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at Quantum Leap Pod. And you can always go that extra mile and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Quantum Leap Podcast. Just remember that we may use your response on an upcoming episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast. And speaking of upcoming episodes, Matt, tell us what's next. Uh, yeah, this is the one I've been looking forward to for so long because we know how much Chris loves his Quantum Leap lore. And this <laughs> is, a, is a book that is just pure 200-odd pages of exposition uh, of lore. So even if uh, it has got a bit of that Phantom Menace thing going of uh, let, let's have a prequel to a sci-fi classic by um, talking about politics and stuff. That's but, mean to compare it to that. <laughs> you never mentioned the name of the book, even though I wrote it wrong here. I don't have it updated. It's Prelude by Ashley McConnell. Allison, do you want to read the blurb or shall I? M-m-m. The back of Prelude. Here's how it all began. Dr. Sam Beckett wasn't always a leaper, and Admiral Al Calavici wasn't always a holographic image. In 1993, at Stallions Gate, New Mexico, Sam and Al were ordinary men with extraordinary ambitions. Project Quantum Leap was only a dream. What was the secret that made Ziggy much more than a machine? Why did Sam really want to travel in time? Where was Al that fateful winter night? And who almost destroyed the dream before it began? The answers are just a leap away. Quantum Leap Prelude! An all-new adventure first time in print. You guys are not going to believe this. Yes. I have the original... This is the box tree version. Oh, do you? <laughs> I have yeah, the Ace version the, with the original tag on yeah. the back from the, like the bookstore, and it says four ninety nine. Whoa! It was three pounds ninety nine cents. Got a got a cheaper deal in the UK. It's five five ninety nine in Canada. Sam's first leap, the untold story. I believe I don't have it in front of me, but no. this has the box tree address on the back, <laughs> where you could write them. I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, because I guess the idea is you write to them and say, "What other books have you got coming out soon? Please talk to me. Oh, man. I have no one to talk to about this." <laughs> so good. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, now you write into the Quantum Leap podcast in the many ways <laughs> you could write to us or give us feedback. Guys, you hit that note better than Chris ever has. <laughs>
<laughs> we we have different parts. That's all. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to reading Prelude. I don't care what you guys. I know you guys like to make fun of it. There are issues I got, but I'm really looking forward to it yeah, because, me too. like, I don't I don't hate it at all. Um, I. I uh, enjoy looking back at this aspect of it and it's a really interesting story because it does address a lot of issues that people or a lot of questions that people had with the show yeah i mean i love i love my lore i love my lore and um i will talk about this more on the on the show proper but if i had had a chance when i was like uber fan to write a book this is the kind of book of course any you know any uber fan would want to fill in those blanks so yeah i can't wait to talk about it with you guys you know, on the cover, Sam's wearing a white shirt, white and shirt? I bet he was going to put on a brown jacket. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe for the next show, I'll wear a short skirt. But until then, I have been jelly-filled, trigger-glazed, sprinkles on top. <laughs> I've been Alison Pregler. <laughs> and I've been Kid Dale, okay? I, I've just been watching Shock Theatre. That's, that's like my impression of Sam doing an impression of Kid Cody. That's weird. That's <laughs> weird, you know? He, he, he's a good guy. <laughs> uh, we'll see you next time, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap podcast, hosted by Allison, Matt, and Chris, with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. Visit us at quantumleappodcast.com. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap podcast is Albert Burge. Christopher DeFilippis and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Special thanks to our producers, Morgan Felden, Charles Allen Gossard, and Joshua Burwald. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. Please visit Baronspace.com for this and other amazing content. The Quantum Leap podcast is a Baron Space production. Denise, get in the closet. <laughs> See, I haven't even watched it today, and uh... it sticks with you. Ah, uh, Denise. My sister's name is Denise, so it's a little bit weird to hear Allison. <laughs> <laughs> That's me through um, Play It Again Seymour with Allison. <laughs> I feel like they think it's like a villain name, or like this is a sexy lady name. This is Allison. <laughs> Like the femme fatale? They did, they did that twice on Baywatch. They're like, Allison's murderers. <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's like labeling theory. If you ever have to murder somebody, you can say, it wasn't me, it was society, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's just destined. <laughs> here's a picture of the opera. And here's a picture of the opera. Oh, I love, did I mention I love the opera? <laughs> I saw that and I'm like, oh, Chris is at the opera again. <laughs> happy for you, man. We're happy for you. Dun, 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 dun. Quantum leap, oh, quantum leap, <laughs> leaping, leaping throughout, throughout time. time. <laughs> you guys got to check out the version of Hill Street Blues he did too. Absolute genius. <laughs> All right, let's get this thing back on track. All right. All right. I really appreciate the thoughtfulness with you. I really appreciate. I really appreciate the thoughtfulness. <laughs> thoughtfulness? <laughs> the thoughtfulness.
I was building up to the title. That was the thing. It was... And then you forgot all about it. <laughs> no, I, did. I, I was just about to say it. You, you jumped in. You pipped me to the post, sir. I'm sorry about that. Would you like to redo it? No, my build-up was just too long. It's fine. <laughs> it's because you were moist and turgid. I was, I was getting turgid for it, and it took too long. It's going to be such a great blooper reel. Do you think nuns wear underwear?